This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Craig. <laughs> Give me a name. I like him. Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. I like in, the, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? <laughs> Stop yelling at me. I agree. Hey, Hello. there I am. Okay, sorry. People weren't hearing me, so you were just a psychopath talking to yourself there for a second. Hello. That hasn't happened in years. Yeah, I don't know why. So <laughs> this program that I use sometimes just decides, Rich, your input, we don't know what it is. And it never, I've never, this microphone has never been unplugged. <laughs> it has never once been unplugged. It's always here. It's the same program. It's the same thing every single time. But it always does it. So anyway, for people that did not hear, I call Joe a pleasant and non-toxic man. Because he's always here with me, and I'm Rich, Voice of Wrestling, Flagship Podcast. We're live. That's a callback. You, that's in the business, Rich. Mm-hmm. They call that a callback. You know. So, uh, but if someone didn't listen to that show where we went over my doctor's report, they'd be very confused. But um, I, I like that you mixed it up. You didn't go with the generic king of banter. I find that to be lazy. <laughs> so. I'm glad that you went with something new here. I apologize for yeah, I, my I laziness. Like the lazy, yeah, the lazy intro, you know. But uh, yeah, how how are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. Who, I'm who okay. I definitely who I definitely didn't talk to for 20 minutes. <laughs> I am it. doing okay, Joe. I'm doing okay. All right, I suppose. Yeah, you ready for some Giants versus Washington oh, football team? Washington football team is my favorite football team. So yeah, I I am cannot wait. Bated breath for the. Uh, the Red Hogs versus the um, so I have no I don't watch football anymore I have actually no dog in this fight <laughs> for the Washington football team name I just just keep it as the Washington football team it's not a bad name right I have advocated for just keeping Washington football team it's kind of classy uh, it's got a classy look to it they got a classy logo you know they're, they're, yeah the W is kind of a classy thing I like it it's not bad it's grown on me I like football team. You know, it's yeah, it's like a professional and... opera. I, I wish it was. <laughs> Are they still terrible and and still a disaster? Excuse me, sir. They're the NFC East defending champions. Oh, okay, all at, right. At, at seven, at seven and nine. Oh, <laughs> is that true? So, yes. well, hey, I guess they're not as bad as the other team. Okay, that's that's good to know. Because yeah, I was gonna say it's like professional run operation. Then I forgot that uh, I think they're still run by Daniel Snyder, right? So. One of the yes. the least professional guys in the uh, in the NFL. I, I don't know. Does he still have that reputation, or is he has he turned things around in a nobody in likes DC? Him. I still absolute jackass that nobody likes. Right? No, everybody hates his guts. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you know, we got some Daniel Jones versus Tyler Heineke action tonight. Are this, those real uh, people? Those are real people. Who's yeah. Daniel Heineke? Who's who's that? No, 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 no. You combine the two names there. Oh. It's Taylor Heineke. Ty- okay, okay. The starting quarterback for your defending NFC East champion, Washington football team. Do I put an S on it? Your Washington football teams? Oh, it's a weird one. Washington fo- yeah, yeah, I guess. Washington football team. 
Like, teams. okay, like... Yeah, you're saying the possessive. It would be your Washington football team's quarterback. Yeah, it's it's strange, but yeah, no, you'd have to do that. Like, you know, like, Saquon Barkley says, oh, I'm a giant. Does Tyler Heineke say, I'm a football team? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Washington football team guy. You're the whole team? Like, that'd be confusing, you know, for someone who doesn't know what's going on. But um, that that's the only area where football team gets a little tricky. But... Yeah, I didn't think you'd be tuning in to this. No, uh, no, no Thursday night, no, no Thursday night football for me. No, no real NFL for me <laughs> these days. It's uh, I, I mean, occasionally if it gets like deep into the winter, or deep into the fall, like I'll, I'll throw it on on a Sunday or whatever. But I mean, I really enjoy not watching football these days on Sundays, uh, because it opens up. I mean, we, we've talked about this on the show before. It is amazing. If I time it during a Bears game, that I go do anything. I go grocery shopping. I go the afford. What we talked about last week, apple picking. You, you, that orchard is yours on on a Bears Sunday, man. That there is nobody else there. There's nobody else doing it. And the only time that it does bite me in the ass is if I don't, if I'm not aware of when the Bears game was. So say we go, say we go apple picking or whatever. And I don't know that the Bears have a bye week or the Bears are on Sunday night football or they're on Monday night football or whatever. That is the busiest apple orchard you've ever been to. And we've talked about this gimmick before, and it's a good gimmick by the men of, of, of the Chicagoland area because what they'll probably do is they wake up Sunday and they know goddamn well the Bears aren't playing until 7 or playing until, you know, Monday or whatever. And they wake up and they're probably sipping their morning coffee and eating their bacon and go, honey, you want to go to the Apple Orchard today? And she goes, well, what about the football game? And he goes, ah, forget the football game. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is your day, honey. <laughs> and she's like, oh, okay. You know, bring the kids. Let's go. We're going to Apple Pit. You know what I mean? And like, that's he knows bi- goddamn that's, well what he's doing. That's the bi week hustle. Right, right, right. And it's like that Apple Orchard is as packed as it's ever. I mean, there are. 10,000 people there and it's you can see the guys you know they're they're football they're Sunday football guys but they're they're hey honey this weekend's you I who cares about the Bears who cares about football this one's for you and she's gonna find out when she comes home that they're you know they're on Sunday night football and all the guys are coming over and all that sort of stuff but it's it's a good hustle I, I enjoy it I you know I can't first of all I can't believe you're still on this apple orchard nonsense from last week second of all I think that the following statement I love when the Bears play because that apple orchard is all yours. Yep. is is the least masculine thing you've <laughs> That's ever fine. done. I'm fine with that. I'm okay with that. Come on, man. Will you stay home and open up one of your fancy craft beers and watch a couple quarters of nah. football? The Bears? I'm not of- watching the Bears. I'll watch some other football. I'm not watching the Bears. I'm not wasting my time with that anymore. Instead of going apple picking in the orchard? But What's wrong with you? Here you go. It's an equity buy. What you're doing here is I don't care about football, so I will go and do whatever bullshit stuff she wants to do in the fall and the winter, and that buys me time for wrestling. It buys me time for basketball. It buys me time for all this other stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care about football, so it's a great equity buy. It's a future. It's a future investment. It's an investment in that orchard. You're not buying it. <laughs> I'm disgusted. I also enjoy the apples. I like apples a lot, so... What's your favorite apple, Joe? I don't have a favorite apple, Rich. <laughs> You're not I, an I apple fan? You don't like any apples? Apples are fine. I don't have a favorite apple. It'd what? be like asking me, I, I don't know, what's your favorite, you know, something else that I'm completely indifferent on. Like, I I, I don't have a favorite fucking <laughs> yeah, I can't apple. believe you're indifferent on apples. That's what a what a... What a great fruit that you're just letting go by the wayside. What is your fascination with apples? They're fantastic. It's the fall. It's the apple season, man. I eat apple. I, I honestly, you would make fun of me for the amount of apples that I eat in a given week. So, 
Many listen, people make fun of it. I eat apples and peanut butter for lunch sometimes. It's a... I don't have a problem with apples, but th- it's not something where I'm like, <laughs> I have a favorite specific breed of well, apple. Yeah, because you're not getting in there. You're not getting into those orchards and trying the different breeds. You're, you're, and, you're, I will, and I will never get you're in You're eating Red orchard. Delicious and Granny Smith like an absolute chump. You got to get jazz apples, man. You got Honeycrisp. You got a whole world out there. No, you know what I'm going to do? Uchi apples, watch. great, great apples. I'm, Rainier apples, fantastic. No, I'm going to watch the National Football League this weekend like a normal human being. I'm not going to go picking different breeds of apples. I mean, you do it. You know, listen, you knock your socks off. All I'm saying is, th- in this area, we couldn't be more different people. You actually said out loud, I love when football's on <laughs> because that orchard is all yours, baby. That came out of your it mouth. It did. I, you know, I, that that kind of statement would never come out of my mouth. Like, like we couldn't be <laughs> further apart. Yeah, we agree on 98% of the things we talk about uh, on a yeah. given week usually. But, yeah, that that is as as, fur, as far apart as we've maybe ever been on anything. This We couldn't be more further apart if you came on this show and were like, Joe, I got to tell you, I checked it out. And that Choco Pro. It is something else. Big fan. Lulu Pencil is killing it in that dentist's office, man. It is awesome stuff. That's the only way we could be further apart right now is if you came on the air and said that. Because let me tell you something. If it came down to sitting down for three hours of that Choco Pro nonsense or going apple picking, Rich, I'm right with you. Show me the Fiji app. There it is. Just show me the Fiji app. Fuji, Fuji. Fuji. Whatever the fuck. (laughs) Just show me. Show me the fucking uh, uh, Grandfather Smith's whatever. <laughs> Granny and Smith's. Those are, you had Granny. Those are the generic ones. You know that. I know. The only one I know that I could probably pick out of a lineup is the Red Delicious. Yeah, which it's are the classic, fucking worst. The worst of the apples. But it's the classic apple shape, so I know what that it one is. is. It is the, if you're giving your teacher an apple that is like on a movie, it would be a Red Delicious shape. They would hear your teacher. Here's it's an, the one. It's here's the an one apple with you, one leaf on it. Here you go. Yeah, with the leaf on the stem, right. and it's the one where you breathe on it and rub it on your shirt, and then rub it on the shirt to yeah, shine it yeah. up, like that gimmick. Do you do that with your apples? Do you? Do uh, you do this? No, do you I, t- I tend to wash them in the sink. I don't. I don't rub them on the shirt. But I, yeah, I, I did. Yeah, no, I, don't, I, I you did. Gotta make, you got to do the hot breath first. You got to go. And then rub it on your shirt to like shine it up, right? <laughs> right do you do right, that yeah. with an apple? Uh, no, not really. I more of a, I more wash it under underwater. So. So you're not buying it from a street vendor in the 1930s. No, yeah, no. I'm not going to Maxwell Street and buying it from a vendor. <laughs> and then shining it up on your on your filthy shirt yeah. that you haven't washed. In, get, back, in... get back to the railroad. Yeah, get back to my railroad job now. Yeah. Right. You come out of the mine and... <laughs> Eat an apple and then go back to the mine, yeah. <laughs> Rub the apple on your dirty fucking soot-covered mine shirt and then take a big bite out of your uh, red delicious apple. Which is the least delicious of the apples, the red delicious. For sure. Apple, oh, right? no doubt. No doubt. It's very grainy. It's grainy. Yes. And, uh, it's, yeah, it's a bad texture, a bad taste. It's it's just, yeah, one of the worst, one of the worst apples, really. Honestly, I can't think of one that's any worse. But... See, I think I know more about the apples than you think. You're, you're letting on a lot right. more. For for Mr. Uh, high and Mighty about the apples here, you're starting to, uh, you know, you're, you're aware that red delicious are not good. Uh, Grandfather Smith's, I think is what you called, uh, Granny Smith's. But you were in the same category, so... You know? Granny, grandfather. Listen, uh, apples are genderless. Yeah, What's I was going to say you don't see you, know? you don't see gender in your apples, which is it's a non-binary apple. The, so you can call it the granny, the grandfather. So it doesn't make a difference. We all knew what I was talking about. So yeah, I mean, I have not again, Rich. You're not understanding me. I have nothing against 
an the apple. I think it's real weird <laughs> that you look forward to football season so it clears out the orchard for your apple picking. That part, I can't get with that. Will I sit here and eat an apple if you hand me one? Sure. No problem. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I admit it's bizarre, and uh, I, I've had many friends that have, have questioned this. But uh, you know, that's that's fine. They can they can go get miserable with Andy been Dalton the group and for shit. a long time because yeah. you know this was a thing like many years ago. You got ripped for going out and picking fruit, yeah, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I remember that. That was uh, <laughs> before this show even. But uh, before this show, this you got ripped for going out and and, and your uh, propensity to go picking fruit. But, and this is two weeks in a row now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've picked. I mean, this this summer I picked blueberries. I've picked cherries. I, you know, yeah, it's great. It's a great activity. <sighs> get out there. Get you know. Get get with nature. You know. You know where your food's coming from, Joe. Farm to table, I, as the kids say. You know. Oh God, gross! I want you to. <laughs> you just see my I backyard. Want. You like? You want some peppers? I got a lot of peppers in the backyard. If you need any of those. I don't care about your horticulture. Okay. Listen. What I want you to do is go get a six-pack of your fancy craft beers. Do they come in six-packs? Is that how that works? Uh, a lot of them come in fours. Yeah, a lot come in fours. But no, some, come in six. Some, is, some come in six, some come in fours. It's fine. The big cans will come in fours. Uh, a fancy six-pack will come in. Will, will, will happen, too. So that's okay. Of course these fucking wacky millennial breweries have to be different <laughs> and do it in fours. Okay? But go get a four-pack of your dopey craft beer. Get yourself a cigar or something. I have a cigar right here. I got a cigar right here. I'm perfect. Right here. Got it right to right. I'm waiting for a good moment, but it's right here. It's in my hand. I'm going to tell you the moment. Just sit down this weekend at some point. It doesn't have to be an NFL game. It could be a college football game. I watch college football. It could be the golf. I don't care what it is. Sit down on your couch. Tell that wife of yours. uh, Today is rich day. I'm not picking any fruit. Okay, we're not driving to some mountain. We're not fucking riding bikes. I'm smoking this cigar. I'm drinking these beers. Two things I don't even do, but I'm telling you to do them. And I'm not he's telling you I'm not shaving. I'm not showering. And I'm not moving off this couch. And I'm gonna watch this sporting event. That <laughs> sounds terrible. That <laughs> sounds like the worst way to spend a day. But all right. No, that you need to do that because every now and then you just have to reclaim your masculinity a little. That's all. I'm not asking you to, to you know, go take up MMA training and fucking, you know, uh, uh, buy a motorcycle. Okay, just take a day and do that instead of picking apples. Is that really too much to ask? Just do it. How much football do I have to watch? You you will feel your testosterone. Yeah. Levels I, how much football? I, I don't really. I mean, I I do that during like basketball. I mean, I'll do that during baseball season, a World Series game. I'll do that during basketball, yeah. NBA finals. I, I'm just not that interested in doing it for football. I, listen, it doesn't have to be football. Okay, it's all, all right, I'm, I'll, I can do that. I can do that for. I just don't want to sit and watch football all day. That that sounds like a waste of, of a Sunday. So put on the golf, DeChambeau, Morikawa. <laughs> I don't know who's fucking playing this weekend. Put on the fucking. I don't even know if there's a golf event. This week. There, there's always a PGA Tour event. <laughs> I'm sure there's something going so, on somewhere. Yeah. Anything, please. What about if I watch the Indy Car? If I watch the Indy Car, does that count? Listen, I don't understand the auto racing myself, and it's not my bag, but I'll take it. Like that for the for the point of this exercise, go right ahead. Yeah, anything but apple picking, please. How often can you go apple picking? Like, <laughs> not that often. They're not ready yet. Uh, the good apples are not ready yet. Actually, it's, oh it's, god, you gotta he wait knows a little it's bit. Like, when it's prime apple picking, <laughs> they're just not ready. I, I'm telling you, they're not. 
they're not ready yet. I can go to the, I'll, I'll go to the or my my uh, my favorite orchard. I will put that in and let you know when they're ready. So here you go. Um, Someone's telling you to go work on your car. Yeah, I, don't I was gonna say, no. like Joe Land. I mean, like <laughs> that is no. not your idea of masculinity because you're not you're you're good. <laughs> I am a, I am never working on a car. Like right. no no shot. Like someone's getting paid to do that. I am not working on a car. Yeah, the uh, the uh, nurse's battery on her car died, and we, we called her dad to come over. I I, I help supervise and hold yeah, stuff. Fuck that. Yeah, He was like, hey, I'll come over. You want to do it? And I'm like, no, nah, you got it. You're good. You're, you're on a roll. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I would stand there and adjust my belt. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, I want nothing to do with it. One time I tried to, like, jumpstart a car, and I I put the fucking clamps on the wrong thing, and it sparked, <laughs> and that was the end of that. Okay, like, I can do no, that at least. That's that's No more. Like, I, I, I guessed wrong, and... and did the cross on a fucking positive on the negative or whatever the fuck. And, um, yeah, no more of that anymore either. So if my car battery dies, I'm just leaving the car on the side of the road and starting over is basically how I'm going to handle that. Um, so yeah, no, I don't suggest working on cars or doing things around the house. Let's not get it twisted here. You know, I just, uh, you know, sometimes you need to sit down and, uh, you know, enjoy some men playing with balls. You just, you have to sometimes. Someone will clip that for sure. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, for, but, uh, for sure, for sure, for sure. But uh, you know. yeah, so so the orchard is not, as I said, none of the apples are ready for picking yet. So there's no, no point in doing it. But, uh, you know, uh, speaking of, I, 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 forget, I forget if I told the story to you off the air or on the air. But, you know, this this apple orchard that I went to, the one that I, I, I like to go to the most, uh, ran into, uh, I think he's a Hall of Famer. Maybe he's a baseball Hall of Famer. Jim Tomey was at this apple orchard, too. And that's he's a manly man, right? You ran into Jim Tomei. Yeah, would you consider Jim Tomei a, a manly man? Because he was there at apple picking with his family as well. So he's got a strong chin. I would say so. It was a hell. So yeah, like so, <laughs> you know, what, you, you know what Jim Tomei looks like. If anybody doesn't, just look up Jim Tomei or whatever. So um, we're walking in this apple orchard. Jack. Yeah, exactly. He's fucking he's massive. Like, he's like legit six four, six five, or whatever. So we're walking around this apple orchard, and all of a sudden we see this guy lifting his child. Like he just grabs him by the back. And just lifts him up like this, and this is like not like a two year old that we're talking about here. This kid's like eight. You know what I mean? Just lifts him up to get some apple from the top of the tree or whatever. And I'm with Michelle, and she just points and she goes, ah, "That big dude looks like Jim Tomey." And I said, "I think that is Jim Tomey." And as we walk, like he knows that we're, you know what I mean? Like he knows no, that yeah, we're yeah. giving him the look. We're giving him the once over, and he knows, yeah, these guys know I'm Jim Tomey or whatever. So he walks by and he just goes, "Hey, how's it going? How are you?" I was like, "Hey, how's uh, it going?" He's uh, he, like, he broke the ice, right? Because he knew, like these assholes, like I'm just gonna say something to them. Uh, and then, yeah, I didn't say anything. I mean, I wasn't like a oh, big fan or whatever. Just like, "Hey, how you doing? Hey, how's it going? Yeah, whatever." But like, yeah, it was it was like, a pretty fun moment to bump into old Jim Tomei while you're while you're picking apples. So he um, wanted to get that over with as soon as possible, <laughs> so he could go watch the game. <laughs> yeah, he didn't want to. He didn't want to feel your eyes on him the whole time so he just got it out of the way and approached you i like that move yeah yeah it's a, a, it's a good move yeah it's a good move because he, he clearly knew that like and it's funny because like not, i don't think that many other people knew because he doesn't like if unless you're like a real i mean he, other than like being like six five or whatever which I, obviously he's he's larger than most human beings look uh you would just think he's like a big dude you know what i mean because he's, he's obviously not in tremendous shape anymore he's fine he's still in good shape but not like you know is that jacked out of his mind he just looked like a normal dude or whatever wearing a hat you couldn't but yeah he could tell that we knew that he was jim tomey i was wearing like a white Sox hat and like a shirt or whatever so he's like ah, this fucker knows that i'm jim tomey i'll just say hi and, and get it over with so that, that was yeah that was good. It, yeah it breaks the tension it, he he doesn't feel like he's got two sets of eyes on him the whole time he's probably a veteran at this it happens all the time probably so 
Um, I do think that's a good move. Why don't you sit out here? I got an idea. Okay. For you. Yeah. What do you got? You, you don't want to watch football. That's fine. Why don't you sit down and watch that '86 Mets documentary? Oh, I am gonna, I am gonna sit down and watch. I, I've, I've, I think I've seen every 30 for 30 ever. Even I, I even watched the dopey soccer ones. Yeah, I'm obsessed with the 30 for 30s. It does not matter what it is. Like I'll watch any 30 for 30 because they're all really fucking good. Like I, I can't even tell you like what my quote unquote least favorite one is. I think maybe that McGuire Sosa one's like my least favorite one just because it was kind of vapid and stuff. But no, I am, I, I could do that. So yeah, that's like a multi. That's like a many, many, many part one, right? Yeah, several parts. Yeah, I think okay. only part one has aired so far, but I think they might all be up on the app. I'm not sure. Oh, there we go. But, okay, yeah, I can, I can do that. That sounds good. There you go. I'll watch a sports 80s, doc. Yeah. 86 Mets. I mean, that's uh, that's one of those teams where I could basically – I think I could probably name 20 of the 25 players on that team, the whole starting lineup, the starting rotation. Uh, they were a big fucking deal growing up in Jersey that year. I was a little kid, but – uh. Really a legendary team. I'd say for this generation of New York sports, honestly, that's probably uh, – that would be probably the team for for this generation of New York sports fans, even more than any of the Yankee teams, any of the Giants Super Bowl winners, uh, the Ranger team that finally won the Cup. That one would be close. Yeah, I was going to say, but what, I, 90, 94 Rangers, right? Yeah, but I, I really think it would be that 86 Met team. I, I, I really do. Uh, you know, the New York athlete of this generation would be Jeter, but the team, the the team would be that 86 Met team that, that was just, uh, they, they, they just, you know, they owned the city. They really did. But, uh, so I'm looking forward to that document and they were lunatics. I mean, they're all, yeah, they they're were all cokeheads. There's Lenny Dykstra yeah. and Keith Hernandez and yeah, you got the calming yeah. presence of Gary Carter, but that's not going to be enough to, to deal with all these other maniacs. Dwight Good and Daryl Strawberry. Uh, it's yeah, they were all fucking uh, Kevin Mitchell. I mean, they were all they were oh, all Kevin Mitchell coke. was there too. Yeah, Jesus they were all Christ. doing coke. They were they they were fucking women during the games, like fucking <laughs> fans. Like it's just you know, complete maniacs. Yeah. I mean, it, completely out of control. Yeah, Carter was the catcher. Hernandez at first. Tim Tuffle and Wally Backman split second base. Rafael Santana. Oh, Wally Backman, I forget. He's a fucking maniac too. Still to this yeah, day, psycho. Right. Complete, complete psycho. Rafael Santana at short. Uh, Ray Knight, who, you know, he'll throw fists at a moment's notice at third base. Uh, Strawberry and right. Mookie Wilson in center. Uh, left field, George Foster yes, until August. Yeah. They traded Foster. That was an ugly split. And then Kevin Mitchell took over. Um, and then you had, what, uh, Gooden, Ron Darling, Sid Fernandez, and Bob Ojeda. Uh, great rotation. And then you had uh, Rick Aguilera and Jesse Orozco coming out of the bullpen. Orozco, of course, that iconic tossing the glove up in the air after the final out of the world series. Um, uh, the bench you had Danny heap, um, uh, uh, Howard Johnson, uh, might've been cause they traded, they got rid of Ray Knight in the off season to make room for Howard Johnson, who was a, who was a big prospect they got from Detroit. And then, uh, Howard Johnson, he may have been the first 30, 30 man as a third baseman, in baseball history. I think there's been a couple since I'm sure a rod did it at some point. Or oh yeah, 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 for sure. But, but I think Howard Johnson was the first and he may still be the only one because a rod may have done it as a shortstop. I don't know that he was stealing 30. Oh yeah, that's right. By the time he went to the Yankees. Yankees. Yeah. By the time he was at the Yankees, they probably weren't letting him <laughs> steal bases anymore. So yeah, and he, you know, so Howard Johnson to this day might be the only 30, 30 man as a third baseman. I can't think of another one unless we're forgetting someone obvious, but, um, no, yeah, I remember that team, and I was a little kid, and I, you know, I 
vivid memories. I remember when they traded for Keith Hernandez in 85, and I specifically remember his first game as a Met. They they, they showed him in the dugout, and there was like a, a, a beam, like a wooden beam in the dugout. And I don't know why I remember this, but I remember Keith Hernandez jumping up on that beam and doing pull-ups on the wooden <laughs> beam in the dugout and just swinging back and forth on the fucking wooden beam. And uh, I, I have no clue why I've retained that memory. Ask me who was on the last WWE pay-per-view. Right, yeah, but you remember that in I, 1984, Keith Hernandez was swinging from a wooden beam in the dugout yeah. of an innocuous regular season baseball game. Yeah, that's... yeah, but I remember that, yeah, because I remember the Keith Hernandez trade. You know, they got him from the Cardinals being such a big deal, uh, you know, um, you know, at school and in the papers and everything. Because I was a little psychopath as a nine and ten year old. I was bringing the sports section to the. Oh yeah, yeah, I, same way day. too. Yeah, I was the same. You know, idiot. <laughs> but yeah, no, I could, I could, yeah, I could run off uh, that whole Met team. I don't know the Red Sox team they beat in the World Series as well. I mean, you know, Roger Clemens and and uh, Oil Can Boyd in, in the rotation. Uh, uh, Bruce Hurst, I think, was the other big starter for that team. Um, uh, you know, Bill Buckner at first, obviously. And, and, uh, I think they traded for Spike Owen and Dave Hern- and Dave Henderson in August. So Spike Owen was the shortstop. Second baseman was, uh, I could picture him in my head. Marty Barrett. I think it was Marty Barrett. I, I, that is right. Yeah, that is right. I, I'm, I'm looking at, yeah, I don't uh, know too many people from this team. I know these guys. Let me see ahead, if I can run the table here with them. Cause I know I got the Mets right. Uh, Boggs at third, of course. Uh, the, in the outfield, you would have had Daryl Evans and right. Yeah. It's an old Jeff- outfield. It's an old outfield. Old outfield, Jim Rice and left. Yep. Again, they acquired Dave Henderson late, so he remember he beat the Angels in Game Six with that home run. Uh, but I don't know who the other center fielder would have been. Who was the other center? Tony Armas. Oh, Tony Armas. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, for sure. And um, uh, let me think. Uh, what what did I say? Just the catcher, right? The catcher uh, I don't think you got been... the shortstop either. Well, they traded for Spike. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got it. But I think they, they, they he, he took over the job because they, they really were looking for a shortstop. They had a bunch of guys. There. Ed Romero looks like he had a bunch of games there, too. I, I, I don't know it. I, I don't know this team very well. And then, yeah, there's another yeah. guy that, yeah, there's a few dudes that, that split shortstop. Yeah, they got Spike Owen and Dave Henderson from the Mariners at the, at the, uh, at the trade deadline or, or something like that. But, um, I, the catcher. Oh, Rich Gedman was the catcher. That Rich is the guy. There you go. You got it. And and the funny thing about Buckner blowing the ground ball and, and the bullpen, of course, Calvin Schiraldi and all those guys. But the, the funny thing about Buckner blowing that ground ball was all year long, okay, they would take Buckner out. Right. He had rickety knees at that point. He couldn't bend. He couldn't bend over. <laughs> he couldn't bend over. So anytime it was late in the game, they would take him out because they would, hey, we don't want the game to come down to a, a ground ball at Buckner because he can't bend over. So Buckner would leave and then he'd put a new guy in there. Yeah, and I can't I can't think of the guy's name who was the backup first baseman. If you give me a second, I'll come up with it. But the, my point here is they would take Buckner out anytime they were leading. Uh, Dave Stapleton is it? Dave Stapleton? I have it's no, Dave I have Stapleton. no clue. Yeah, I, I thought you were looking at it though. Are you still looking at it? Uh, I, I'm trying um, to. I'm doing my best to try to figure out how you could tell who. Uh... Well, if you pull up, if if if. If you pull up Dave Stapleton and check his game logs, yeah, I guarantee game log. you. All right, let's see here. I guarantee you. Dave Stapleton, who was a terrible hitter, only was a late inning defensive replacement at first base for Buckner. He has a lot of putouts and a lot of games finished. Yeah, okay, yeah. So from April, yeah, April, yeah, pretty much, <laughs> pretty much he played. Let's see here. He played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games, eight games all year, and then finished 
another like 37 games. So he'd come right. in, yeah, he'd come in mostly eighth inning, sometimes ninth inning to finish in the games game. that yeah. they won yeah. and mostly wins. Yeah, all win. Almost that, all. Yeah, he, he was 28 and one that year. So, and, and they carried Stapleton on the postseason roster. And I remember he was a completely inept hitter. I think he had like five or six hits all year. And then, but he would come in to play the eighth and ninth because Buckner literally could not bend he did over. It in the, the game five, I remember, I, I remember that vividly that like, you know, going back and researching and reading about that is yeah. they did it in the World Series too. It's not like when the World Series came, they're like, all right, well, Buck, we, we trust you, pal. No, in game one, game two, and game five, they replaced him. So what happened was Buckner wanted to be on the field when they won. So that's why they kept him in that game. It, it would, and in any other circumstance, it, Dave Stapleton would have come in yeah. the game. But here's the thing: it well, didn't matter either. It would have just the game was tied anyway. You know what I mean? He he catches right. that ball perfectly, runs over to first base. It's a tie game going to the tenth. Exactly. That's the other thing that a lot of people don't realize is that by then it was already a tie game because of the wild the wild pitch. They mm-hmm. tied the game on the wild pitch, and then they won. And they the gave game up. Yeah, they gave up about what four runs or five runs or whatever. It's like yeah, it was a, a fucking disaster. That was just the one that capped it off. It's the same thing as with the Cubs with the Bartman thing. You know, people are oh, the Bartman. It's like, all right, well, yeah, the Bartman thing happened, but then, like, they had to give up, like, seven more runs after that. <laughs> you know what I It's not like everybody always kind of focuses on the one thing, and it's it's been horrible for Buckner, obviously, his entire life. And I think finally now that they've won, you know, four or five titles or whatever since then, people have, have let it go a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, that dude had to go into fucking – he had to become a recluse because, <laughs> you know, some, and it's just like people hyper-focused on that. And, yeah, it was a terrible play, and it sucked, and it was like, you know, they lost the game. But, yeah, they, they were on their way to losing that game anyway. I mean, should, could they have won it in the 10th? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But – you know, they, they they were blowing it anyway, so it's it's yeah. He's also dead now, Buckner. But uh, oh, did I he die? I actually didn't know. I don't remember that. Yeah, Bill Buckner's dead. Hmm. Yeah, this isn't a Barbara Bush thing. He's dead. This you're, one you're I know. Positive, Bill dead. Buckner's dead. Yeah, Bill Buckner. I mean, I trust is, you. I trust you to know that. Bill Buckner is dead as a fucking doornail. I guarantee it. This one, I will stake May, my May twenty seventh, twenty nineteen. Bill Buckner passed away. So yeah, and I think we talked about it. I'm sure we did. I'm positive we did. Yeah, there's no way we didn't. When Hank Aaron hit his record-breaking home run against the Dodgers, Buckner was the left fielder who scaled the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We definitely talked about that for sure. We did. That's how I. Yeah, that's how I know we talked. And that's we talked about it when he died. I think Don Baylor was on that Red Sox team too. I think he was the DH. They had an old. That was a veteran team. Very old. Very old. Yeah. With the exception of Clemens. That was a whereas a the Mets, team. everybody was twenty one, and that's why they were fucking maniacs. It's like you know, you had yeah. Gary Carter was the only guy that got. Can you imagine? I mean, not that he, you know, not that Gary was <laughs> the cleanest man in the world, but uh, you know, uh, I just cannot imagine you know a thirty three year old in that locker room just being like, "What in the fuck is going on here?" Because even Hernandez, who was a little older at that time, was an absolute maniac. But then you had Strawberry and Good, and those guys were like twenty and twenty one years old, and Lenny Dykstra, who's a, a an absolute fucking psychopath. He was like 21, 22 at that time, too. So, yeah, that's got to be just an insane team. So, yeah, I'm excited about that 30 for 30. Yeah, Lenny Dykstra homered in his first at-bat of his career. I remember that, too. I remember watching that game. Yeah. I have the weirdest memories of the team. <laughs> you know, Tom Seaver was on that Red Sox team, too. So, I, I think he got hurt. I think he, I don't think he pitched for them in the World Series. I think he got he hurt. Not. Which Which absolutely has to suck to be Tom Seaver and then go, all right, I'm going to go to the Red Sox. And then the team that you're synonymous with goes and wins the World Series while you're on the other team. That had to, that had to suck a little. Yeah. So you're going to watch that documentary. Oh, absolutely. I watch every 30 for 30. Like I said, I, I, I'll i watch even the soccer ones. Uh, I've watched, Yeah, I think I've, I think I've literally, I, if I go through, I'm pretty sure I've seen every 30 for 30 at this point. So um, they're, all, they're all tremendous, right? I mean, I, I don't know how many of them you watch, but. 
what the 30, for yeah. 30 for 30s. Yeah. I've watched the ones that look interesting to me. Which we're at, we're now at like 90 of these 30 for 30s. The original idea is, is long gone, but that's, uh, that's all right. I, I appreciate it. Do you hear that, that Bill so. Simmons story where he said, um, they were plotting like, cause he, he was, he came up with the 30 for 30 concept. Right. Or, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> when he was still at ESPN, he found out because I forget the story. Like he accidentally got an email TNA style or something where they were planning like 40 for forties or something without him with like a different oh, creative guy. In it. <laughs> and he's like, what the fuck is this? Like for what, like what's happening here? But uh, I don't think it ever came off, but the, the concept was 30 years of ESPN, 30 documentaries. Like that was the original concept. Right. And it's like, it didn't make like it doesn't make sense to keep doing. That was like 15 years ago. That was man. 2010. Yeah, that they stopped that. <laughs> that was 11 years. Yeah, ago. that was everybody was supposed to pick one year, and then they were gonna you know cover a story from that one year. So they talked to the you know the the docu the, the guy that did the director, and he's like, I, I covered 1994 because the OJ trial and the NBA finals, and the, you know and then the like 1993 is like Michael Jordan retiring from baseball or retiring from basketball and joining baseball, and that's what it was. And then that then after that they're just like, ah, we'll just make documentaries about sports. That's fine. So yeah, that was 2010. Was the last Pony Excess was supposed to be the last one, uh, December of 2010, and that's uh, I like that one. That one's great. Yeah, speaking of cocaine, <laughs> Pony Excess. Eric, Eric Dickerson and Craig James. Yeah, yeah, the Pony Express. Yep, SMU. You better read an ad or something because I'll talk about SMU. No, that's fine. No, I, 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 I probably told you this in our old uh, our old forum days. But this is not the show. People are probably wondering: Is this the show that they're just going to talk about random shit? For three hours, and it might be. We don't know. We're still going, but um, I'm sure I told you this in our in our old forum days, our old sports uh, uh, video game forum days. Yeah. Uh, but one time I was playing the NCAA football game, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Oh seven, oh eight, some sometime around there, sometime around that time period. And I was going through my season, and I was simming through it, and I was going through and going through and going through, and I was playing on the hard difficulty because I didn't want to win every game. You know, what I mean, I like to you know have a challenge and not win every you know national title. So. I get to the national title game, and I'm not in it, so I just sim through it. And I look, and Southern Methodist University in like 2008 just out of, just destroys Alabama, just blows the doors off, and wins the fucking national championship undefeated, just cruising through. I was just like, "What the fuck?" Like, uh, you know, they must have been cheating again. I don't know what. Yeah, I was like, "What the hell happened here?" Like, how the hell did SMU just like you know in 2009 just go, "All right, guys, fuck it, let's go, like, let's get this thing off the off the road again." So I think because those games were way more broken than we like to. Admit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, usually you got a pretty good, but yeah, that that was the most wild one ever where it's like congratulations to southern methodist university on their national championship I'm like what you know, i really here? thought i thought june jones was gonna turn them around a few years ago but yeah uh, wasn't yeah, meant to be nah. did you watch that seven part history of the falcons by uh, uh yeah i'm John. like three i'm like three or four uh through that yeah i'm working my way through it too they you know they always do a nice job with those too um, secret base but, yeah is the, is the, secret base yeah, yeah. former sb nation youtube channel is now secret base yeah Right, right. But, you know, because that's, uh, you know, a little bit of June Jones there, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Love my June Jones, yeah. Jerry Glanville, June Jones. Big Hawaii guy, you know that. Absolutely. The University of Hawaii yeah. and their, their their new parking lot stadium they have to play in this year because their Aloha Stadium has been condemned or whatever. You're, like, not allowed to go yeah. into the stadium. It's like, yeah, I think you're going to have to demolish it, right? Yeah, I think some guy came and was like, no, 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 no. This thing's done. <laughs> no more, ever. This thing is crawling apart. Yeah. Yeah. Not only is it on a volcanic island, but it's also just falling apart. It's made of wood. Like, what are we doing here? What are they playing on campus? What are they doing? 
Uh, they're playing. It's like a, a converted soccer field on campus or something like that. Oh, it God. is. It's not good. It's. Like, I think it fits like ten thousand people or whatever. Which I mean, honestly, it's probably fine for the current state of uh, though the Rainbow Warriors. So no, they're not good. They're they're not good. And they have no identity because they don't. You know, they're not throwing it all over the lot like they used to. So if you're not good and you have no identity, you're basically just unwatchable at that point. So those late night Hawaii games, I don't even think they're really airing them. They anymore. rarely do. Yeah, I might DVR set to record them, and they they'll record like the week one because like they're the only one, or they yeah. they always play on like week that week zero or whatever. Yeah, uh, and then I get like two more a, a, a year really, but uh, yeah, they don't they don't really air them too often. So yeah, because late night on, like, late night you can do you know you got USC you got all Pac twelve stuff that you could throw on late night and yeah Pac twelve Mountain West. Um. To find Hawaii, sometimes you got to go on those weird, like, like stadium, like those weird. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just some, it's like three camera feed. It's, it's just awful, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they, they but it, it, it definitely isn't the Colt Brennan days. With no, uh, no, no. Tommy Chong is not walking through that door, unfortunately. So. Tommy Chang. Tommy Chang, that's right. Tommy, Tommy Chang. Chung's a very different person. Yeah. Than Tommy. <laughs> well, he's not walking through that door either. But <laughs> no, no, neither one of them are walking through that door. Neither is Cole Brennan, who is also dead. So, oh right, yeah, yeah. That's when we discovered. I, 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 I this was off offline for sure that we discovered that pretty much every Hawaii quarterback is a is a, is a criminal at some point. So, uh, yeah, they all have. A it was not statue, good. We were yeah. looking, and it was yeah. like, well, what about? Oh, okay. Well, he assaulted his girlfriend. And what about this guy? Okay, he did. It was just like one this by guy's one. Dead. This yeah, guy's dead. Yeah, it was not a good, not a good run, not a good run. Yeah. Anyway, all right. As much as I'd like to talk about SMU and thirty for thirties, I guess we should we should get to this wrestling we can here keep, we can keep marching through every 1980s world series and uh <laughs> you know? the <laughs> i'm not opposed i'm not opposed one day today's not the day yeah when the 19 why am i blanking on the 1988 world series 89 89 okay the, oh kirk gibson right right because 89 is the earthquake right yeah yeah okay okay i was mixing up 88 yeah 88's the Eckersley giving up the big, giving up the dinger. Yep. Yeah, awesome. To a crippled Kirk Gibson. <laughs> he can't run, yeah. <laughs> That's... Who won MVP that year with like, you know, he couldn't have been worth more than two war. Yeah, oh, just a classic. This guy is a, he's a, he rallied the team. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he got him yeah. to where they needed to go. And it's like, all right. I mean, all right. Yeah, yeah. Classic staples sure. of old MVPs. Yeah, go, dude. I, I would definitely not advise if you're a baseball fan, don't go look at old MVPs because it'll make you kind of because you're just like, what the fuck, like this guy, and then like you realize like these guys didn't, they weren't looking at you know on base, they were looking at war, they were looking sometimes at RBIs and other times like, yeah, he's a good leader, <laughs> you know, they're a good team and he's a good leader, so. And he plays shortstop. Right, he know? plays a good position. It's, yeah, he plays yeah. second base for the best team in the league. He's a team leader, and it's like I love go, our yeah. 1920s newsreel. Yeah, I don't know right. why it's 1988. It's uh, <laughs> the, the the fucking afternoon paper reporter, the afternoon daily. You know. Yeah, Gibson. No, and, uh, yeah. and Gibson was way better in '88 than we think. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Six and a half WAR. Yeah, there you go. So he just he was just I, a limp at, at the time. He just couldn't run anymore. I think people look – I think we fell into the trap that we just made fun of mm-hmm. because he hit 25 homers and uh, had 76 RBIs, but he got on base of the 377. Oh, hey, hey, look at this. Not bad. Yeah. 
have we been misjudging that Kirk Gibson year all? Maybe of these we years? have, yeah, because that's um because that people usually think of that as like the worst MVP winner ever. But if you look at, he deserved it. Yeah, he's right up there. Yeah, you're not giving it to Will Clark. I'm gonna give it to Will Clark. Give a shit. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good MVP year. That's good. He had as good a year as anyone. You know what? Uh, we apologize. I apologize, to, Kurt Gibson. Yes, to the crusty sports writers of 1988 because they accidentally got that one right. They overlooked Strawberry's 39 bombs. Okay, and they gave it to the right guy. Like you couldn't look. Strawberry wouldn't have been a bad pick. 39 homers, 911 OPS. But I think they got it right with Gibson. That isn't as bad as I thought. Man, all these years I thought that was a terrible yeah. MVP pick. 80, 80, the AL is pretty fun here too. So you got Canseco who wins it with 42 dingers, 124 RBIs, leads the 40, league in 40. Yeah, so he gets a 40-40 year. Um, he wins, he's unanimous, 100% first place votes. Yeah. Wade Boggs, I don't know, man. That's a good ass year from from Wade, my man Wade Boggs. 366 batting average, 476 on base. Yeah, and he slugged 500. My man, my man, yeah. Yeah, pretty sick. That's not bad, but Conseco's a pretty solid year, too. 40 40. I'm not World Series team. World Series team, that's not bad, yeah. I can't, yeah, I can't knock that. 40 40 was a real big deal when he did that that year, too. Gary Gaetti getting some votes. Good for him. All right, (laughs) let's let's move on here. Actually, one second. I actually have to. uh, one of my dogs is getting uh, dental work done tomorrow, so i got to take his f- water bowl away. So can you give me one moment to take his water bowl away? Jeez, okay. Yeah, no food, no water. Sorry. Yeah. Tough break, guy. <laughs> Tough break, guy. Rough night for him. Mike Greenwell finished second in the AL that year. He was on that 86 team as a young boy. I think he got called up in September. And then by uh, 88, MVP contender here. Man. Kirk Gibson, much better year than I thought. As Rich takes away this water bowl. Voices of World Series flagship, you are listening. All right, we're here. And there's Krage. Yeah. Did you do a Q&A while I was gone? Did a little Mike Greenwell talk. Mike Greenwell, Mike Greenwell. all right. I, don't, I know nothing of Mike Greenwell, unfortunately. He was on an 86 Red Sox team as a young boy. Got called up in September. Hmm. He was a good player in the league. Did he last, did he last very long in the 90s? I don't, I don't remember him at all. I don't think he had a super long career, but he was yeah. a good player. He was uh, him and Ellis Burks. I, do, I know Ellis Burks, man. Yeah, I know yeah. Ellis Burks. I got many, many Ellis Burks cards in this, uh, in this house now because I've reacquired all my uh, – because like baseball cards are crazy now. Or they were crazy. I don't know if they're still crazy. So I went through and, and, and uh, went through all my cards to see. That was that next Red Sox core that, you know. Yeah. Well, I know Ellis Burks as, as a 93 White Sox helping that team get all the way, you know. I thought that was they were going to do it. They didn't quite do it. Yeah, he played for the Rockies for a little while. Yeah. He, he bounced around. Ellis Burks, another – he was a good player too. Yeah. Did they – oh, no, that was the year after. The White Sox let him go in the uh, expansion draft of the Rockies, but I don't think so because they, they came in in 93. So. Do you remember yeah. the Rockies' first pick in the expansion draft? The Rockies' first pick in the expansion draft was oh man, wasn't it? It was it wasn't Galarraga, right? Nope. It was somebody good though, right? No. Oh. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. David Need. <laughs> oh, yeah. Atlanta Braves. Right. Yeah. Not great. 
Yeah. Didn't work out. No, they they were good though. They were good pretty quickly. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Now they've been bad for a while. <laughs> They're gonna be bad for another decade or so. So, but hey, it worked out all right for them. Dave Need, yeah. Dave Need. Let's remember. Let's remember some expansion guys. Be a good show. Well, Marlins opening day starter. Oh, I Charlie do. Huff. Yeah, Charlie Huff. Yeah, got the got the strikeout on a pitch that <laughs> could not have been further away from the strike zone. He also was probably about fifty-two years old. He was like that. forty-eight. Yeah. Um, yeah, cause I, so I, I'll DVR all those MLB network does like see the seasons. Have you ever watched those on MLB network? Yeah. Yeah. They're really good. I have them all. I like, I, I, I DVR one time they did like an entire marathon. It was probably during Christmas or whatever. So I DVR and I have them all and I will never delete them cause they're great to like fall asleep to. I just put on like, you know, 1993, the season or whatever. Yeah. And yeah, they show Charlie Huff like running in spring training and he's just like, Ugh. he's like fat as fuck. And like, he's so old. Like he's just. Cigarette hanging out of his yeah, mouth. He's like he's like running, but you know what? I, like you know what? Like a forty-eight-year-old Charlie Huff running looks like. It, it wasn't you know, yeah. wasn't it? He wasn't gall- gallivanting much. He was, he was not good strides. Yeah, they show him getting in there, and he's like, ah, oh, hell, let's go. You know, he throws the you know throws three knuckleballs. They call a strike out one. It's like twenty-seven feet out of the zone. Ring him up. Yeah, ring him up. Hey, the first strikeout in Florida Marlins history. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, they're bright. Green hats they had at the time, or their teal, bright teal hats. Mm-hmm. They were good too. I won the World Series. Now that I could do, I could do a let's remember some guys about the '97 Marlins. I love that team. Even as a kid, I love that team. What '98 when they won it, or was it '97? '97, '97. Oh, you're right. You're right. '97. Yeah. I was a big Gary Sheffield guy, so. Yeah. yeah, as a kid, I mimicked my swing after Gary Sheffield. Which, uh, you you'd be surprised to know that uh, I did not last past uh, a couple years into uh, little league before they said uh, you should try to another sport, maybe maybe basketball, maybe that'll work for you. You didn't get the same results. I did not get the. I didn't have the same bat speed that one uh, Gary Sheffield had. So yeah, but uh, no, yeah, not a guy to recreate. The '90s was a bad era to like recreate swings of like your favorite players. Like, it's not like the 70s or the 80s where a lot of the guys had, like, real nice swings and real, like, like Frank Thomas had a very weird swing. Like, my three favorite players were Frank Thomas, Ken Griffey, and Gary Sheffield. All, like, completely unrepeatable swings by any normal human being. Yeah. Like, the Gary, everybody did the, the Ken Griffey swing. And it's, like, not a good swing at all. Like, nobody should have that swing. It's a terrible, terrible swing. But uh, we all grew up on that, so. It was smooth for him. It was very nice. smooth for him, yeah. Yeah, you just can't replicate it. No, yeah, it was the Gary Sheffield thing for me. They're like, I'm moving the bat, and the, the my coach is like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, why are you doing that? You can't yeah. get around to a, a pitch because you're too busy wiggling your bat. And I'm like, I don't know. That's what I do. And they're like, okay, well, this isn't going to work very well. So. Yeah, yeah. You're not Chef. No, no, I was not. Uh, no Gary Sheffield, but all that guy. It's really a little asshole. Yeah, I agree. I agree, for sure. He's a Hall of Famer. Come on. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I'm with you on that, but. That's a fun team. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> should we talk wrestling? I guess so. All right. Well, Monday Night Raw. Big E Langston cashes in his Money in the Bank briefcase. Uh, Bobby Lashley, if people did not see this, it's, it, you can watch the video and, 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 you know, very easy to find here. Uh, Bobby Lashley defends the WWE Championship against Randy Orton. Uh, Big E announces on Twitter prior to Raw that he's going to cash in the Money in the Bank briefcase. He does. Bobby Lashley is limping after defeating Randy Orton. Then Big E comes in, hits the big ending, and wins the title, becoming your new WWE champion. A moment, Joe. They create a moment there on Monday. Uh, but ultimately, what do you think of uh, Big E's cash-in? What do you think of the moment of Big E you know, winning the title? 
And I guess maybe we could start out with, I mean, this is a guy that you and I are on record. Go back and listen to World 2014 shows if you could find them. We are on record as screaming about this guy being a star for years and years and years and years. A guy that clearly had it clearly had anything that you could possibly want. There's some stuff that we would change about the way he kind of carries himself in the ring and carries himself in promos and all that sort of stuff. But for the most part, like this guy had money written all over him for years and years and years and years, all the way back to 2014, all the way back to 2015, all, all the way back to those days. Finally in 2021, they, they do it here. Uh, what do you think of the title win? And then we'll talk a little bit about the circumstances, the cash in and, and, and kind of the money in the bank gimmick uh, in 2021, because I think it was, it was a very interesting reaction from a lot of people. Uh, I, I, on Monday, I thought. But, uh, yeah, what do you, you think of the cash-in, and, and what do you think of Big E uh, finally winning the title? I mean, I think we've talked about it. We thought that eventually he would win this title. Um, we've been calling for his push for a number of years. But, I mean, is this going to be impactful? Is this going to be a true elevation? I have serious doubts. And I think, obviously, history is on our on our side if if we say that we have serious doubts about whether this is just another meaningless WWE world title win or a true elevation. Um, I mean, just a month ago at SummerSlam, he's working the pre-show. Okay. This was not any kind of sustained build and heating a guy up and getting them ready. This was just a typical money in the bank cash in done for shock value, done to pop a rating. All those things are all well and good. I'm not saying you shouldn't do things to pop a rating, but uh, it doesn't feel like a push for me. Um, you have to question if they even would have done this if you know it didn't happen to be time for Monday Night Football. So um, you know, and then the way he won it, you know, Bobby Lashley has a match, a grueling match against Randy Orton, who's you know presented as this all-time legend. Uh, he's got an injured leg uh, that he injures in the Orton match, so. Big E cashes in against a tired man with an injured leg. And it's like, that's a heel move. That's not something you do with a baby face. You know, that's a heel title win. And uh, that's kind of the inherent problem with the money in the bank concept, period. It's a it's it's a heel gimmick. It is. It is. Yeah, the only one time that I they, they really, truly did it in a baby face way is, I don't know if you remember, that John Cena, like, called his shot with the, with the briefcase. Yeah, and it was just like, I, and I think he beat Damian Sandow or what? I forget. I, no, he lost. He lost the match. I forget who he, who we faced or whatever. But he was like, "All right, next Monday on Raw, I'm cashing. I want to. I want my title match." And it's like, oh, "Okay, all right." And then the next Monday, he had a title match, and then I think he lost or something like that, or maybe he. I don't know. Who cares? Who who cares? Who? Remember? But yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I know. I, I get what you're saying. But like, ninety ninety five percent of the other ones are guy injured after a match, guy come in, guy cash in, guy win. You know what I mean? And and with Edge, it was a heel move. With Daniel Bryan, multiple times it was a heel move. With CM Punk, multiple times it was a heel move. Pretty much for every other person, it's been a heel move. It, it, it's never presented as, you know, the way that most people thought the original concept was going to be is that you had, like, the, the chance to, you know, call your shot and say, hey, I want a title shot at, you know, this pay-per-view at the end of this month or whatever. Once they realized that they could just have it be, like, the shock value, oh, my God, he's cashing in the money in the bank, like, ah, ah yeah, you know, like... It was always a heel move. It was always a heel tactic, and and they've kind of stuck with that formula, save for you know Cena, and then I think RVD did it once too, where he he called a shot and cashed in then or whatever, uh, like a week later. But uh, yeah, otherwise, like ninety five percent of the time, it's been surprise, you know, guy getting screwed over, guy at the end of the match type of thing, 
uh, for for the money in the bank. And and yeah, it's a heel. It's a, by by its very nature, it's a heel tactic. Taking advantage of an injured opponent, you know, to 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 win the title is is a heel move. It's just an absolute. That's there's no ifs ands or buts about it. There's no you know. It's just a you're 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 a bad dude. You're a, you're a heel in, in that case. It's just a hundred percent what it is. And it's gonna get a pop because it's a title. Oh yeah, always, and always. And, and but but it's to me. Look. And, and, and I saw everyone saying, oh, what a great moment it was and all this. And I was like, you know, enough of this shit. I, I don't think it was a great moment. And I'm not trying to piss in Big E's cornflakes. I'm not trying to piss in any fans' cornflakes here. But is it a great moment? I mean, he beat a guy with an injured leg who was already tired. And, you know, it, and and I've been advocating for a Big E push for a long time. But a push, I would have preferred if they built the guy up since he, he should have won money in the bank and then been built up since then. Mm-hmm. Okay, work in the semi-main event at SummerSlam. <laughs> Which, by the up. way, just just to let you know, this this none of this stuff is like this is just booking wrestling one hundred and one. This is booking, booking this is storytelling one hundred and one. Like, even if you I, want to do the money in the bank gimmick, at least build the guy up. Right. Everything that you're going to say here is not unreasonable to say. You know what I mean? Like, just no. Yeah. Like, have a plan. Write the guy's name on a fucking whiteboard and say, "All right, on September eighth. I mean, hell, you know when football's coming back too. Like, even if this was the moment that you wanted to do it, if this was the night that you wanted to do it." All you had to do was on a whiteboard say on September 15th or whatever the hell it was or whatever, September 11th, whatever, Big E's going to cash in his money in the bank and he's going to win. All right, let's book to there. That's our point. That's where we're getting to. Now let's have that in mind. I mean, that, that would have been a two, three-month build to that moment and that time. And have him win it like a babyface hero. Don't have him win it like a cowardly heel. Right. Say, Bobby Lashley, um, you, you've beaten everybody the last year and a half or whatever. You've beaten everybody that's come in front of you this Monday on Raw next week. I'm cashing in my money in the big briefcase. You and me for that title, you know. And then and then beat him the same way he beat him in 30 seconds. Yeah. But mano a mano, not a Bobby Lashley tired from wrestling Randy Orton who's limping around on a bad leg. Which, Rich, that tells you that they don't believe in. Me. Yeah, exactly. Anybody that's going to argue with us, they had to protect they're, Bobby Lashley in that moment. Yes, they're more interested in protecting Bobby Lashley than Big E. Okay, and again. I think some people are going to hate this segment. They're going to think that I'm shitting on this alleged great moment. I want them to push Bobby Lashley. I'm disappointed with how this played out because it wasn't a great moment. It was typical WWE bullshit. Of course, people popped for it. But uh, the way it was done, they're they're telling you that they're going back to, to Lashley. I mean, because that's who they protected here. And I would have much preferred he wins the briefcase. They do a build. Uh, he 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 beats all of the upper mid card guys. He beats he gets a strong win at SummerSlam. You know, uh, uh, similar to Edge's win over Rollins, something at that level. Beating an upper mid card guy high up on the card. <laughs> you know what's so and funny then, about this? What? Uh, to, to just to, you know, or, or finish finish your thing first. Then I, then yeah, I'll and then he, and then he says, and then like you're saying, if you want to do it the week that Monday Night Football comes back, that all makes sense and that's a good idea. But then have him say, like you said. I'm challenging Bobby Lashley this Monday, and then that's the match. You don't have Lashley have another match first. And then he can beat him in 30 seconds like he did. I think that's smart and great because then you're like, wow, this guy won money in the bank. He beat all these top contenders, and he just beat the unbeatable Bobby Lashley in 30 seconds. That's how you attempt to make a star. And I don't know if it would not work necessarily, but it's a lot better than what they just did. But here's the thing. They're not interested in no, attempting they're in the to moment the business. Star. They're in the moment business. They're in the moment business. And everyone's fooling themselves into thinking that this was like Big E's big breakthrough. He, Yeah, technically he won the world title, but the way he won it 
and 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 uh and and the fact that there were I mean a month ago he was in a prelim feud with Baron Corbin. Okay. So I, I you know, I I don't think this is any kind of breakthrough for him. You know, just because he technically is the champion, okay, I don't really think he's in a different place. I don't. I mean, until they prove to me that he's in a different place. You know, uh, he's the same old Big E. He just happens to have, you know, uh, the title around his waist now. I don't feel like he's any hotter than he was before uh, or, or, in a, or being booked any stronger than he was before because he didn't win the title. He, he wasn't booked strong when he won the title. They protected the other guy. Yeah, and 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 the thing I was going to bring up is it's actually funny if you go and look at Bobby Lashley's you know his his record this year and the matches that he's had this year. Just to let you know that they had no idea what I mean. They just literally woke up on a whim one day or, or or maybe a few days prior and decided to do this. Obviously, Biggie wins that money in the bank or whatever. But I don't know if you remember this. But like Bobby Lashley feuded with Xavier and, and Kofi like throughout a lot of the summer and a lot of the spring. He beat yeah. him at Hell in a Cell matches. He beat him at Money in the Bank. Like he, he was, beat, he, I think he beat. Remember, he beat Kofi at Money in the Bank. Just absolutely destroyed him. He beat uh, Xavier Woods in a Hell in a Cell match on Raw. Like he, you know, what I mean, like he, he, he did a bunch of stuff with those guys and 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 faced them a bunch. And then went on to different programs. Then went on to the Goldberg program and did some other stuff with Orton and did this and that. They and and they never attached those two stories. You know, what I mean, they never had Big E stand up for his 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 you know former New Day guys and say, oh well, now you know. I, which again, like if you were planning this, you you. You kind of got there. You know what I mean? Like, you could have had him win the Money in the Bank, and then after Bobby Lashley destroys Kofi Kingston at Money in the Bank, you say, hey, look, man, I have this briefcase, so at SummerSlam, it's you and me. Right? You know, there's so many different ways you could have done this, and it just shows you that there was not that planning. There was not the no. idea that they said, all right, this summer, this spring, this fall, our goal is Biggie is going to be a superstar. We're going to make him a star. That's not what happened because they didn't, you know, it's, it's, and they'll, they'll, they might retcon it and they might act like it was all the plan the whole way, but it, it wasn't. He wasn't, like you said, very similar to the Stone Cold Steve Austin story. He wasn't doing shit on SummerSlam. They just, you know, it, it happened, you know, to be that this moment happened on this time or whatever. And yeah, what happens moving forward, who knows? They might say, hey, let's get behind this guy. Let's do something. History is definitely not on that side. And like you said, no, the, the, and not only that, it would help if they would have gotten behind him before he won the title. Right. And that's that's exactly it. So yeah, history is not on the side there. History is on the side of this was just a fluke title win. They woke up and they said, ah fuck. AEW's beating us in the ratings, or Monday Night Football's coming up this week, whatever it was, it was uh, ah hell, let's just do it. Or we need something. they needed we something need booked something. for Saudi Arabia, and, and, or they just, yeah, we need something. What do we have? Worked. Money in the bank. Let's go. You know. And it worked. Raw did a terrible rating, but did you see the third hour was the oh, highest? Third hour, hour did incredible, yeah. And that never happened, so it worked. It mitigated the lost viewers uh, from the Monday Night Football uh, return. So from that perspective, it did work. I just, I, I you know, I know everybody likes Big E. We like Big E, and I think people were just being especially kind to this one because they all like the guy and they want this to be uh, a special thing, but. I, you know, I just I, I don't see it as anything special. I see it as a, a typical rushed, um, you know, uh, deal that they do, which which probably has other ulterior motives as well. We have Saudi Arabia coming up and who knows what Lashley's plans are for that. Yeah, probably um, probably Goldberg. Maybe they want him to lose to Goldberg to kind of get that to one and one or whatever. So yeah, whatever they have planned for. Yeah, it could be anything. But my point, I don't I don't see a long reign here for Biggie and the way that they put this title on him. I don't see any indication or that they believe in him as a top guy. I don't, I'd like to be wrong because we've been wanting to be wrong about biggie for, for years here, but I see no indication. They see him as a top guy. And, um, you know, I think some people, 
you know, they, they, they have a hard time distinguishing between, well, if someone's a champion, they must be a star and a top guy. Not in that company. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't even really work like that in wrestling. Sometimes you belt someone up and it just doesn't work. Even if you have the intentions of them becoming a major star and a big draw and a top guy, the, history is littered with people who were given title wins and it just didn't work out the way the, the, the booker hoped. I don't even think this is that. I honestly don't even think they have any designs on making him a top. Star. No, I don't think so either. Like you said, there's there's nothing that indicated that they that they did, unless you know they woke up one day and changed their mind and decided this is our next guy. But I mean, I don't know, and like I I don't think like at the, and on the flip side, I don't think they know they've given up on Bobby Lashley either. I mean, they've spent two years, you know, basically, basically yeah. having Lashley beat everybody, everybody. I mean, that guy has been just on an absolute tear the last two years. And yeah, I don't buy that. That's like they're done with him either. So yeah, it, no, it, whatever, who, what, it, whatever they had planned for the end of this Lashley story, this clearly wasn't it because Lashley got all the protection here. Right, exactly. So, um, you know, so I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know who they have planned for Lashley down the line to eventually upend him and get the rub off of beating this unbeatable guy. But they gave Lashley every out. I mean, he's going to come on TV and he's going to say that he had a 20-minute match with Randy Orton. And he was on a – well, MVP is going to say that he had a 20-minute <laughs> match and and uh, and wrestled on a bad leg, you know? And then Lashley's going to snatch the mic from MVP and, and talk his 30 seconds of shit. I mean, you know how this is going to play out, you know? And, and, and you know, it's I, – I, yeah, I don't get the sense – that this is a meaningful push for Biggie, right? That we I turn just, the corner and 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 then that, yeah. To to me, it's one of the more agreed, like one of the most egregious, like let's just do something to do something in a long time for this company. I mean, this company has spent you know the the better part of the last two years almost doing nothing, <laughs> you know, like pretty much almost doing nothing uh, ever. And this one, I don't know, yeah, I, the, the thought process behind this one, just nothing that indicated it from Lashley's end, nothing that indicated it from Biggie's end, just nothing that indicated it from the booking. They didn't even build it up for more than a couple hours. You know, it's just like, what? There's just can so I, many different I, ways to do this. There's a thousand different ways to do this that make everybody better than, than the way that they did it. But whatever. There, can, again, I pitch you, can I pitch you something from an alternate universe? Sure. And tell me if you think this would have. So the easy comparison that a lot of people are making is Kofi Kingston. I don't think it could be more different. I, I don't see the comparison other than they're both New Day members. But let's say – now, look, I, I know the Kofi thing – was never intended and it got thrust upon them and they did the right thing by putting Kofi Kingston over at WrestleMania. Okay. That was absolutely the right call. The fans wanted it. It, they peaked it at the right time. It was one of the best moments in modern WrestleMania history. All of that. Um, you know, from there, nobody wanted to see Kofi Kingston as champion. I know a lot of people don't like hearing that. It's a point that I've made a million times. He didn't get good reactions as champion. That was totally a story where, the people wanted to see the guy win, but they didn't want to see the guy be the world champion after that. He really honestly should have lost it very quickly thereafter. But we both called on this show that they were going to hold it off until they got the Fox and have Brock Lesnar. And that's exactly how it played out. They waited till they got the Fox and they had Brock Lesnar beat him. But, um, you know, in reality, he probably should have lost it like the next week or whatever. Like the moment with Kofi was winning the title from there it was going to be diminishing returns. And, uh, you know, he just he's not a world champion. To me, he's a mid carter. And that's not all his fault. I don't necessarily think he has main event charisma, 
But booking him as a mid-carder for 10 years, the die was cast with Kofi Kingston, no matter what you think of him. And fans didn't accept him as a world champion. So I don't think Kofi, because with Big E, I think he can be a money-drawing world champion. I think he does have uh, a a higher ceiling than someone like Kofi and could be a money-drawing world champion. So my long-winded point is this. In an alternate universe, it really is a shame that it couldn't have been Big E in the Kofi spot getting the big memorable win in the WrestleMania main event because that really could have launched him to superstardom and Kofi in the dopey little money in the bank spot for the fleeting pop. Wouldn't it have been much better if that was reversed? I know they had no control over that because the Kofi thing was so organic. But in some alternate reality, yeah, my God, I think I think Big E might legitimately be a star today if he would have been in the Kofi spot. And I think Kofi's perfect for like you know you know the silly little yeah the fluky TV stuff win. the oh my God I can't yeah. believe he did it type thing yeah yeah for sure where where Big E just grabs the bull by the horns and just wins you know what I mean just just wins wins that title wins it at WrestleMania picture Kofi you know. in picture Kofi at that WrestleMania beating Daniel Bryan and the show closing with him is the chance. I, I don't even remember if that was the last match, but you get the idea. Like th- that could have been the launching pad he needed. You know, this is not it. You know, this is fucking, you know, like a million other cash-ins that are, it's just not going to go anywhere because they don't believe in them. But maybe if that had been Big E in that Kofi spot, you know, the company would have saw, oh, wow, well, you, you know, we do have something with this guy. You know, and, and that's putting a lot of faith in a promotion that fucking stinks and doesn't do anything right. But it's just something I was thinking about. It's a shame that the roles weren't reversed for these two guys because I think both of them were better suited for what happened for, for the yeah. other guy's title win. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's, it's, again, it's one of these moments that frustrates you about WWE because it's, it's, you know, they, they, they just make everything so hard. And that's going to be the thing we're going to talk about with NXT when we, when we move on to NXT here. The, the new NXT is just they make every. It's so much harder than it needs to be. Just like, you know, if you have this idea, just plan a month or two ahead. You know, you gave him the money in the bank. When he wins money in the bank, the old WV, the old Vince McMahon, that they would say, okay, what's our plan now with this guy? When are we? And they just, it's just not what they do anymore. They're just not in that business anymore. And it's just, it's, it's. It's just hard to explain. The, 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 Listen you know. to our tone. Listen to our yeah, tone. It, if, if this were a well built. Big E world title win. We'd be so excited, right? Yeah, we'd be breaking down the scenarios. Okay, now what's he do after this? Who is he going to face? Like all this sort of stuff. Well, listen to our tone. We're like, uh, this is just whatever, you know? And it's like you can only do the first one once. That's the other thing. This money in the bank shit has got to go. It just has to go because that's the other thing. You know, so many of these guys win their first title with this stupid over, you know, this, this – Money in the bank, which has overstayed its welcome. And yeah, it's good for a pop in the moment, but it doesn't do anything in terms of getting the guy off on the right foot on a path of of being a true star. And, you know, I think it's a crutch. And I think if they got rid of money in the bank, they can get back to just giving guys a proper push and a proper build and heating a person up and getting them ready for that spot. Because working the pre-show match a month before at a pay-per-view, a prelim match with a prelim wrestler, is not properly setting someone up for a world title run. You know? It's it's not. So, 
It's it's been a bad run uh, as of late because everybody will you know every every time you bring it up people will bring up Edge <laughs> you know what I mean they'll bring up you know that was fifteen fucking right exactly years ago. that was two thousand and five yeah yeah it Andy was a, was a heel right it was novel it was the first time they ever did it it was surprising it was all that sort of stuff you know I'm going through the Daniel Bryan ones right now for for the series we're doing on on, on Patreon the Yes Movement and like those ones are disasters you know what I mean he cashes in after guys are knocked down and stuff like that and they did nothing to build up Daniel Bryan no nobody was a bigger fan of Daniel Bryan. After the, you know what I mean? Like, they, they, they well, did nothing. because as we knew at the time, they didn't believe in him either. Right, exactly. And then, like, you go through the list of people after that, and I, some of these I don't even remember. You know how how little they were. Twenty seventeen when they when they first do the women's one, they include the women's and, and and they make it a you know a male a male and female here. Carmella wins it. Baron Corbin wins it for the men. The next year is Alexa Bliss and Braun Strowman. See, and and I get the point you're making. It's like when you put it, when you give the money in the bank to people like this, now you're telling people it's a mid-card gimmick. Right. Bailey and Brock Lesnar in 2019. Okay. Everybody got very mad about the Brock Lesnar. I remember that Yeah, but the way Brock won it was he wasn't even in the fucking match. (laughs) He just came and beat everyone's ass. Which Brock rules. Brock's the best. Uh, And then 2020 is Asuka and Otis. I mean, Jesus Christ. Uh, Mm -hmm. Then this year, Nikki... A-S-H, who cashed it in and then has already been beaten and, and sent down the mid-card, and now Big E. So. Yeah, another another jabron with Nikki Ash. And it's like, this is why it's irrelevant to bring up Edge, which was 15 years ago, because we're now, there's a whole new generation of fans who see money in the bank as a, as a, as a, as a, like a gimmick for mid-carders to sleaze their way to the title. And to cut the line, yeah, Otis it, it, and Baron Corbin and 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 the Miz, yeah, the Miz beat him for the, the contract. Remember that, like, yeah, it's it's not something that it's something where you know uh, underdog mid carders can cut the line and sleaze their way to the title, which also works against Big E because this is the company he's in. It just money in the bank sucks. I know they're not going to move away from it. They're not going to stop doing it. But it's counterproductive in so many ways, and um, it just it what it does is it encourages all of this company's worst instincts. Is what Money in the Bank does, you know? Go for the surprising moment, like mm-hmm. you said. Yeah, moment, you know, they're in a the moment business. Yeah, they're in the moment business. Go for the surprising moment. Go for the fleeting pop. You know, the one week uh, spike in ratings. You know, that's they, no, they love yeah. that stuff. Yeah, they love it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it encourages all of their worst instincts, and. Uh, you know, that's why to me it's got to go, but it won't. I, I, I legitimately hate it at this point. Oh yeah. I, yeah, I can't it, and, I would, and, and I would hate it more if I actually gave a shit. That's the other thing. Like it's so hard to care about this company, but the reason we're so down on this one is because we really were hoping against our better judgment, breaking the arms length rule that they would do right by this guy because there's so much potential there, but they didn't. And now you know what's odd? You know what's weird to me? Is they put the title on him, and I now believe that they – I am now more convinced than ever that they don't believe in him because of it, the title win. Isn't that weird? Like because of the nature of it and how it went down and well, everything. Well, you, you've been watching this enough. I mean anybody yeah. who's watched this enough knows what these ty- sort of title wins look like. You can go back to the most famous like this is the most uncomfortable title reign ever was the Rey Mysterio one. You know, back in 2006, where, you know, he wins the title, and they're so scared they don't call it the World Heavyweight title anymore. Remember that? 
Vince had an edict that we only yeah. call it the world title now because he's not a heavyweight because he's Rey yeah. Mysterio. And and all the, the writers at the time, like many of the writers that were in the in the room then and have done podcast interviews or whatever, said that every single week Vince McMahon would walk in and say, "All right, when are we having Ray lose the title?" And they'd be like, "Man, he just won it like last week." Like, you know, let's and and he would say, "Okay, but you know, this isn't going to last much longer." And you felt it. You knew it in the moment that that was that sort of title reign. Jack Swagger, another Money in the Bank title reign. That remember that? I mean, when he won that, everybody was like, it was the most uncomfortable, weird title reign because you just knew that they had no instincts on it. They had nothing behind this guy. They had no intrigue whatsoever for this guy. They they yeah. did not want him to have this title. They knew yeah. it was and and yeah, unfortunately, you know, the early returns on the Big E thing, it kind of looks like one of those. And and I don't know, we'll see. But um. I got history is, is is absolutely on our side. That was just a few of the examples that I brought up. Those are just the, the most obvious examples of terrible title reigns. But yeah, you just you know when it doesn't feel like a we're behind this guy title reign. Oh yeah, yeah. And and this yeah. one for sure feels like that, which which sucks because like just get behind the fucking guy. <laughs> like when he wins behind the bank in July, just say all right, this is our time. Let's ha- let's build this guy up. Let's do three or four months. We'll build up Bobby Lashley at the same time. They'll challenge each other at a at a major pay per view or whatever, or we'll do it on Raw or whatever. And Biggie will just beat him, and we'll we'll have we'll have done right by by pushing Biggie. And, and getting behind him and making the fans excited about him. We'll do right by Bobby Lashley by building him up. And then Big E's going to be a bigger star because he's beating Bobby Lashley, who we've built up and built up and built up. This is easy stuff. And they just don't do it. They just don't care. <laughs> They're just in a different business. It, it's, it's infuriating. Yeah, I think, I think baby faces, if you insist on this thing, should never do the surprise cash-in. The, the only time a baby face should do the surprise cash-in is if it's an underdog baby face who isn't world title caliber and you just want to do some shocking world title win for a week for some mid-card guy. But I don't even advocate doing that because I think you should protect your world title better than that. But someone who you believe in, who's a babyface, should never do the surprise cash-in. Just makes them look weak. Makes them look bad. And he, Okay, and if you think that verbiage is too strong, okay, maybe it doesn't make them look weak, but it definitely doesn't make them look strong. Big E does not look strong with this win on Monday. I mean, he beat a guy with a bad leg who was tired. He just had a match. He hasn't come out. Maybe he doesn't maybe calling it cowardly or weak is a little strong, but it definitely doesn't make him look like uh like a hero, like a strong world champion. It makes him look like a guy who shortcutted his way to the title. But this is where they tell stories, you know? And this is what I always say. Like I don't give a shit if you tell a story. I don't even care if it makes sense. If it stinks, I don't care. Whether it makes sense or not. You know, if you tell me a story that isn't good, I, I don't understand why. <laughs> and I'm not obligated to say, well, it's a story, so. Yeah, like, I don't give a, you know, the story sucks. <laughs> Joe, it's a story, good. so, I mean, it's a story. You can't say anything, because it's a story. Okay, the story sucks. <laughs> like, your story's bad. Right, exactly. So, um, ah, it's just disappointing, but, you know, it, it's probably just, it's just wasting breath anyway when it comes to WWE. I mean, you know, it's just uh, – but, you know, what, what What bothers me is a lot of people are really buying into this one because they like Big E so much. I know. I feel bad. It to... It's like, you know, you it's... see a car crash coming and you're just like, guys, don't. Like, don't get too excited because <laughs> then they, it's the same – I mean, it was the same with the Kofi thing. We, we, we went through that again where people were just like, oh, man, this Kofi runs great. And then it just, I mean, then the vitriol when Brock Lesnar beat him. And it's like, guys, this is your fault. Like, why do you buy into this? Like, what has this company done to get this sort of buy-in from you? Like, why would you do that? It, you know, let pro- let them prove it to you first. Let them prove it to you. And, hey, they can maybe they'll prove us wrong about Big E. Maybe they will. But 
history's definitely on our side, so I'm not going to get too excited him, about have it. Him, have him beat the contenders, have him beat Lashley fair and square, and then have him beat Goldberg. Yeah. That's how you push somebody. I, have we lost sight of this? That's how you push somebody. <laughs> I don't know anymore. <laughs> you don't have them beat a guy with a, who's tired with a bad leg. If you believe in him. He's limping. He can barely stand. He just gets, you know, I, chop blocked. Yeah. Or it's like, Jesus Christ. I'm just repeating what the, they're telling you as a viewer. I'm not, you know what I mean? Like, don't kill me because I'm the messenger. I watched the match and the story was he beat a tired guy with a bad leg. I, you know, what am I supposed to do with that? I'm supposed to think that the guy, look, he called his shot. He said he was going to do it and he did. You know, I'm not saying he's like, uh, a scumbag or a cheater or uh, or anything like that, but it definitely wasn't like a vote of confidence where I'm like, oh, well, this guy's clearly the best wrestler on the... No! To me, Bobby Lashley's still the best wrestler in, in, in on the brand or whatever. According to the story you just told me, how have I been convinced that Big E is better than him? Right. I, I'm not convinced. You know, he so caught, him, no. he caught him in a moment. He caught him in a bad moment and, and won the title from him. After Bobby Lashley's beat everybody for three years. And this guy yeah. was on the, the pre-show on SummerSlam a month ago. And just beat Randy Orton, who's a, who's presented as a legend and an all-timer and a, a thousand-time world champion and everything else. You know? So, um, I, I don't know. It's it. Look, maybe maybe we're the sour pusses here. But this <laughs> That's did, fine. Th- this did nothing for me other than tell me that they don't believe in, in Big E. That's all. All right, well, we're going to get to uh, NXT here in a bit, NXT 2.0. But before we do that, we do have to let you know that this episode of the Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast is sponsored by our friends at MyBookie. Joe, with over $500,000 in contest prize money up for grabs, the NFL is back in action. And Joe, so is winning season at MyBookie. Head to MyBookie.ag to choose from a variety of boosts and free bets and get in on the fan favorite $100,000 super contest, which only costs $10 to enter. Uh, We talked about this a little bit last week, but you pick five games against the spread each week. Each win earns you a point, and each point gets you closer to that grand prize of $100,000. So in order to get started, you make your first deposit at mybookie.ag and use our exclusive promo code VOICES, and you'll instantly receive double on your first deposit. So if you deposit $500, they're going to give you $500. If you deposit $10, they're going to give you $10. So whatever you do with that promo code VOICES, you're going to get double your first deposit. That's double your money, double your winnings, and double everything with promo code VOICES at mybookie.ag. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere. With my bookie, mybookie.ag. So, how'd you do week one, NFL? Did, did you lay out this weekend? Crushed it. Did you? Yeah. I. Uh, you don't pay attention. I posted it in the Slack, but there were seven home underdogs week one. And I was like, this is bizarre. Why are there seven home underdogs? So, I took every one of them on the money line. Fuck the points. I took all seven of them on the money line. That is weird, especially with fans back now. It's like I get it in COVID yeah. years when like it's like who care home field advantage is kind of meaningless. But yeah, we're we're we have full full stadiums here, so I don't know. It's... So I did the old Al Pacino two for the money. Take them <laughs> on the money line. So I took them all on the money line, and because you know because the I only had to win three out of seven to come out ahead because I took them on the money line instead of taking the points, and uh, four of them ended up winning outright. So um, four of them won outright and five of them covered because the Lions were getting eight and a half at home against the Niners. And they made that huge comeback at the end and ended up losing by eight. 
So they covered. I lost that one because I had them all in the money line. But I won four out of seven, and I only needed three out of seven to uh, to profit. The Raiders on Monday night were the fourth one. That one was just – I was playing with house money on that one, and uh, they ended up winning in overtime. So uh, crushed it this week. You, you want go. me to give everybody – I'll give everybody a play. This one will lose, of course, but here's my play this week. Well, a good time to promote the NFL Intelligentsia too. So. NFL Intelligentsia, I have two written previews, two season previews up behind the paywall now, $5 tier, written previews, AFC preview, NFC preview. Um, here's my play, though, uh, this week on my bookie. It's complicated, but this is the play I'm doing. I've got a four-team teaser. This is for entertainment okay? purposes only, though, Joe, obviously. For entertainment purposes only. Well, no, you just read the my bookie yet, right? <laughs> well, no, this, well, yeah, but I, I, I don't know if we're – yeah, we. I don't know it's, if we're allowed to give advice, uh, official advice. This is not my bookie sponsored advice. This is Joe Lanza's uh, entertainment. So, uh, of... The ad read is over. This is for. <laughs> yes. This is for entertainment purposes only. Um, no, I've got a. Uh, this is my one and only play this week. So after I crushed it this past week, um, I would advise uh, not not uh, not following my advice this week because the odds of uh, two weeks in a row. But I'm doing a four team. Try to follow me here. Okay. I'm doing a 14 teaser, okay, which means you can move the lines 13 points. Okay. Now you're going to lay 130 on this. I'm already confused. But go, keep going. Right. Keep going. So okay. If don't don't do don't don't. Does somebody know? Somebody, somebody that's listening knows. Don't don't explain it to me. You don't. It's it's a te- okay. So if you do a teaser, you can move the line 13 points in your favor. With a four-team teaser, so you could make you could pick four teams and then move the line 13, uh, 13 points. So if someone's a okay, so if a team is is uh, is, is plus thirteen, you now get them plus twenty six. Okay. Okay, but you have to win all four. Oh, I one. see. I see. Okay. Okay. Okay, they're not just letting you right. So this is my four-team teaser this week. You got to lay one thirty on this one. It's minus one thirty, but Cleveland. Versus Houston, I'm playing both sides. It's a 13 point spread, so I've got Cleveland pick'em, Houston plus 26. Same deal with Tampa Bay Atlanta. I've got it's a 13 point line, so I've got Tampa Bay pick'em, Atlanta plus 26. So I'm playing both sides of both games in this 14 teaser. Basically, I just need Cleveland and Tampa to win outright, okay? And I need Houston and Atlanta not to get blown out. Not to lose by four touchdowns. So that's my pick of the week. That's the Lanza pick of the week. If you're like Rich and you're confused, then don't worry about it. But if <laughs> yeah, I'm just not going to do it. That sounds great, though. If you're a D-Gen like I am, you understand how a teaser works. Okay? So I've got both sides of Cleveland-Houston. I've got both sides of Tampa-Atlanta. And I'm doing a four-team teaser, minus 130. Let's say 100 units. Let's call it 100 units. It's the lands of pick of the week. There Let's it is. go. Lock I'm it in. Ding, ding, ding. Like we, we needed some. Yeah. I did that on Thursday TV reviews. I did the cash register sound. Oh, did you? Yeah. I was talking about it. Yeah. I was thinking of some sort of lock or like a key turning or something. Like that. Yeah. Right. The lock of the week. Right, right, right. Yeah. Like a vault door closing or something, you know, lock of the week. Hey, listen, Houston was my lock of the year last week. They were getting points at home against the Jaguars. Rich, why were the Jacksonville Jaguars favored on the road? Versus yeah, Miami? I don't know. TK, I don't know. Yeah. It's... I'm like, fuck that. I don't care. I know Houston stinks, but the Jaguars have no business being favored on the road. That was a, I posted that in the discord. So there's proof. That was my lock of the year. You know, that was one of my seven. 
But uh, that one I put a little extra mustard on because why are the Jaguars laying points on the Jaguars shouldn't even be favored. <laughs> right. They probably should be favored most times, honestly. So home over any I mean that uh, Joe, you're, you're breaking up a little bit where it is can you hear me Joe I've got oh boy uh, 100 <laughs> units on on it Joe can uh, you hear me uh uh Hello, Joe. <laughs> we are on two different wavelengths at this point right now. So, um, here's what we're going to do. I am going to leave the call, and I will see if that helps us. So give us one moment. Technical difficulties. I'll leave. Give me one moment. We'll fire this thing back up, see how things are. All right, Joe, can you hear me? Yes, I can. All right, there we go. We fixed whatever the problem was. There's, I'm staring at two Joe Lanzas right now. I don't know why there's two of you here, but that's fine. Man, We're back. TL, TLB would enjoy that. <laughs> two Joe Lanzas. Yeah. Promise you that. No comment. All right. Um, I think it enjoyed longer group calls. Group calls are limited to one hour. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but okay. Uh, huh. I guess we better hurry up. I guess so. This has never come up before, so I don't know. Maybe uh, I'm gonna remove which uh, talk Joe. I'm gonna remove the Joe that's not talking. Let's see. Ah, uh, well, I mean, it says we can't remove the. There we go. Joe. All right, you're here. I no, no. Now there's just one. Okay. Now there's just one Joe. Now it's just me. But uh, I don't know. That's uh, more than anyone really needs to be honest. Yeah, let's let's be fair. Okay. Well, hey, we might get disconnected again in an hour because Google apparently has changed the way that they're letting you these calls go. So we'll see. Hey, nice. We'll find out. Anyway, let's talk about, speaking of a drug-induced, uh, just a very weird uh, 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 drug-induced uh, show here, NXT 2.0, Joe, this week uh, we had the brand new NXT, the NXT in the vision of Vince McMahon, Bruce Prichard, and Kevin Dunn, the brand new, recharged, reimagined NXT, uh, essentially a two-hour subtweet to, to, to Paul Levesque <laughs> in everything that you did, we're going to do the opposite. You did steel and yellow. We're doing fucking every color in the rainbow, baby. You did poppy and heavy metal. We got Wale doing that here in the entrance music. You wanted old guys. We got literal 20-year-olds. You wanted indie guys. We have dudes that have trained for like two weeks that are on our TV. I mean, this was, I mean, they, they literally went one by one and said, what is old NXT? Fuck that. Let's do the opposite. Let's do this NXT. And Joe, I have to admit, I really liked NXT 2.0, the first episode. It was way more watchable than, than so much better than Yellow Raw. I mean, it it the other show was just sensory overload, and it's just too much. You know what I mean? It was just too much, and not only that, it had gotten too far away from what NXT is supposed to be. And um, look, I I don't know whether it's th this was just a it was easier on the eyes. I liked the setup. I liked like the, you know, the, the studio style setup and 
And um, I enjoyed the new camera angle. What did you think of the new camera angles? I liked it. Yeah, I liked everything. Yeah. The production, I thought, yeah. was really good, honestly. And, and I'm you know, not the biggest Kevin Dunn fan in the world, but I thought, you know, if he, you know, depending on whether he was doing the, the, the actual directing or whatnot, which I, I think he was. No, I liked everything. I thought the, 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 the arena looks great. It looks like a real studio as opposed to, like, whatever the warehouse uh, look that you had. And there's a difference between a studio wrestling show and kind of, like, whatever the warehouse was. People might not know that difference, but like it, you, you knew it. I mean, that NXT 2.0 that to me felt like a studio show. You, you know, it, it just yeah, you saw the yeah. bleachers, you saw the fans. There was, you know, they came out. It's it just yeah, it felt like an old you know 605 show or any any old territory. Um, felt like full sale. Yeah, or like yeah, or, or even what full sale was when it first started. So um, you know, heavy metal NXT was just the worst visually. It was just. Dark and uh, drab, and there was no colors, and everyone's yelling at you. The music's yelling at you. Vic Joseph's yelling at you. The um, fans are behind a cage. It's just, it was really weird and shitty. Um, look, I don't think this is going to be any kind of, of great wrestling show. No, and that's the- that's what I wanted to point out here. We have come on the show many times over the last 10 years, and we've gotten excited about week one of main event. We've gotten excited about week one of Saturday Morning Slam. We've gotten excited about the first episode of 205 Live we got excited about. And we always said after all those shows, at some point, it's going to get bad and boring. Because every Vince McMahon product eventually gets bad and boring. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to happen here. And that's going to happen with this one, too. For sure. And and then when you have green wrestlers who aren't good on a, you know, bad and boring show, it's going to... But right now... This has reinvigorated NXT for me, and I had stopped watching NXT. I would record it every week and and eventually watch like the main event or some other stuff that was uh, maybe suggested to me or was getting some hype. But did I sit there and watch two-hour NXTs only right before the takeovers because I, I hated the show? I'll watch this for a while. Eventually, it's going to probably wear out its welcome for all the reasons you just said, like all the other shows did when the novelty wears off. Or if I'm no longer interested in the people they're pushing or whatever the case may be. But um, yeah, this felt like, you know what this felt like to me? This felt like a new booker taking over a territory. Because you still had a lot of the old faces, but just used in different ways. And then you had a bunch of new faces mixed in. And what's kind of exciting about this is we don't know what the new Booker, so to speak, thinks of the people on the show yet. So it, it, the, all the old stories are gone. We don't know how hard they're going to push all the different people because it's a new set of people in charge. And that's kind of exciting for now. But, you know, I do agree that it'll probably eventually wear off. Yeah, no, I, but but like I'm infinitely more interested in this because we're oh, seeing yeah. people we've never seen before. We're seeing, you know, real projectable stars coming in. Like, you know, guys that like Braun Breaker for whatever you want to say. I mean, you look at that guy and you go, holy shit, like that dude could be an absolute fucking star if, if, if things go well. I mean, that like everybody they brought up, I mean, yeah, there's different elements of those people, but you feel like you're watching a developmental. Like I never felt when I saw Blake, I don't even remember what his fucking name in NXT was or whatever, whatever. Like when I saw Blake Christian or, or, or Kurt Stallion on my NXT, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I don't want, like, I'm not, I, there's no, no reason to watch this guy on my TV. And that's nothing against Kurt Stallion. I like Kurt Stallion. Kurt Stallion's a good wrestler. I like Blake Christian. He's a good wrestler too, but I like them on like the undercard of an indie show. I, I, I never, and, and we, again, 
Go back and listen to the evidence. We were never comfortable with NXT going this way. It was a lot of fun because those takeovers were great, but we were on the show saying, ah, you know, the further they get away from developmental, the further I'm not that interested because it just doesn't feel... I didn't want, like, a, a you know a dollar store super indie. I didn't want that out of my NXT. And there was a while where it was covered up by just having tremendous wrestling, just an unbelievably great wrestling on those takeovers. But, but yeah, once those takeovers started to get a little, you know, go a little south as well, and once things just got a little too away from what they were going to be, you know, yeah, you and I just kind of hand-waved it and said, ah, whatever, it's, you know, it doesn't feel the same. But I'm excited because this is what it should be. I don't need a third Raw. And this didn't feel like a Raw. This didn't feel like a SmackDown. No. It felt like its no. entire own different thing. And that's what NXT was when it first started. So I welcome this change. I really do. I really think this is a positive. Let alone the fact that it was no longer serving its purpose to the company. You know, this wasn't preparing people for the main. It wasn't preparing people for the main roster anymore. Nobody was getting called up anymore. No. Yeah, they just stopped even calling guys up. NXT was just its own living, breathing side territory with with Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa and Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly and and Samoa Joe and Bobby Fish and all these people that they weren't being prepared for the main roster. They were just, this is just Triple H's fucking side band is what it was. And it was no longer serving the, and we, how many times have we said over the years, developmental needs a developmental now. Like, like this company no longer has a developmental. It just has this weird third show. You know, um, and, and who needs a third Raw? Like, no one needs that. None of us need that. No one needs work rate Raw. Like, you know, it's – so, yeah, this is back to serving the purpose it was intended to begin with, which was preparing people for the main roster. And um, it just – tearing it down, I, I agree with you. It's an easier show to watch now. At least it's a little different. It feels different. The, the problem I had with this is where I saw three or four prospects that I really loved. Braun Breaker being one of them. That's Rick Steiner's kid. I have no idea why they're not calling him Rex <laughs> yeah, we'll, Steiner. We'll talk about that when we, when we go back. Okay, I'll match, hold off on yeah, that thought. Yeah, yeah. So that kid, the new Diamond Mine tag team, those two brutes. Oh, I the Creed brothers? Oh, my God. I love the Creed brothers. And Brutus the other guy that, and Julius. And I'll tell you, the other guy that caught my eye, who I really think might have the best chance to become a star out of all of them, was the guy that came out with Carmelo Hayes. I don't know his name. Um, the dude that cut the promo with Carmelo oh, Hayes. The former, oh, fuck. What was his name? Yeah. The former U at UCF, the former South Carolina wide receiver. I can't remember his, uh, his either his, his work name yeah. or his real name. Trick style. Williams. Trick Williams. Trick Williams. That dude jumped off the fucking yeah, screen. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I have no idea if he can work. He's clearly athletic because he threw that little jump and sidekick deal. And he was a Division One college football player and a wide receiver. Okay, a six foot three Division One wide receiver. You know that kid has hops. You know he's a great athlete. Okay, he's six three. He's good looking. He had a yeah, he had a nice physique, and he and he had he had that charisma you can't teach. He jumped off the screen. I'm actually a little higher on him than I am on the Steiner kid. Okay, but they're both. They both, to me, look like blue chip prospects, and the Creed brothers look like our kind of wrestlers. Oh, I, don't I know love the Creed stars. Yeah, but, I don't know if they are, but man, I love them. Yeah, they that, beat ass. The belt, Brutus and Julius. Yeah, and uh, what's the kid's name? Trick Williams. They're Trick Williams. Them? Yeah, Trick Williams. Uh listen, I'm buying that stock right now. Now, now, look, he might have a match next week, and he might be the absolute drizzling shits. But here's the thing: 
a lot of these people were on this show. And that's fine. That, this yes, is the thing I've been screaming about in wrestling. This is what wrestling used to be. Guys would learn on the fucking job. They would say, hey, you look like a million bucks. Go out there and learn. They didn't have to sit in fucking hip toss class for three years. And when Gable Stevenson is ready to go, when he leaves college or whatever, they should do this with him right away too. He should do a week or two, get the, get the basics down, and then they go, you know what, dude, learn on the job. And it's fine because guys learn from live TV. Guys li- learn from live reps. Guys learn from that stuff, and you see them develop, and that's so much more fun than guys being on mothballs until they're fucking 32 years old. That's not, that does no good for anybody. I yeah. hope these guys stink. I hope some guys stink. Some of them won't work. Yeah. Some of them will work out. Some of them will. You know, I really felt bad for Carmelo Hayes because he just got outshined. Oh, by yeah. He's like, hey, here's my new friend, Trick Williams. And it's like, wow, that guy's so much better than you are. Yeah. Casanova. I mean, you know, that's that's not good, man. No, no offense to Carmelo Hayes. I mean, they're giving him a push and they seem yeah, to like him. But, but... but Trick Williams is a much bigger deal than, than Carmelo. Here's the thing. Carmelo Hayes is a guy. Trick Williams is a guy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he, you, he just felt like. They they might have something with it. The confidence that he had for the first time ever being on TV is what really uh, jumped out at me. But um, but no, this is fun watching a show like this because we can have conversations like this as opposed to you know previewing Alex a Zane. <laughs> Here's Alex Zane wrestling three other guys that were all in the Indies before. Yeah. It's, it's Alex Zane and Jake Atlas and Blake Christian. And they're going to wrestle. Like, okay. Cool. Or previewing a takeover and going and, and going like this. <sighs> all right. So Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano are going to wrestle for 40 minutes. <laughs> right, it's and, a best, best of seven match. And it's going to be good, I guess, but <laughs> right, like right. this is more interesting. I mean, there's no question that this is more interesting. And, how long will we feel that way? How long will it last? But here's two other things I was thinking about watching the show. Number one, every time I got excited about some of the guys that we were just talking about, it immediately occurred to me that why am I bothering? They're going to get called up and and <laughs> right, and then I immediately will lose interest in them. As soon as Braun Breaker or Trick Williams or whoever the fuck gets called up, I now will have no interest whatsoever in anything that they do because it's the main roster and it sucks and I hate it. Um, the other thought I was having was how long before the cycle repeats? I mean, isn't there going to be an instinct or a want Two shows wrestling on purpose. Do, do you kind of understand what I'm saying? Like takeovers evolved into this thing that for a while there were the standard in American pro wrestling in terms of great shows. They absolutely were. Is it slowly going to crawl back to that? How can you stop it from crawling back to that? Yeah, I don't know. And that's going to be a very interesting thing because I know Brandon Thurston has, has, has been tweeting that out all week that if you look, there is no takeover on any schedule anywhere. Right now. Oh, so maybe they're just not doing TV. And that's a that's a, an interesting possibility is that they, that Vince just goes, No, why bother? You know, we're not we're not doing takeovers anymore. We don't need to do takeovers anymore. And that that would be to me, that would be a very telling thing. Cause then it tells me, okay, we are not going back into the old uh you know, if they never go back on the road, because that was one of the big things that, that turned NXT the way it was, is they went on the road, and when you have to go on the road and you have to draw, you need to kind of have, you know, top talent or whatever. Need stars. Yeah, yeah, so you need stars. You need stars to draw. And then when you're doing basketball arenas for takeovers, you need to have stars that can draw, you know, to, to those arenas. So yeah, it was like if if those two things, if they if they are truly committed to we are staying in 
you know, we're going to stay in the, the, the fucking full sale, wherever the hell they are now, or the, the PC or whatever arena it is. It's not the Capital Wrestling Center anymore. It's just, you know, the NXT 2.0 arena or whatever. If they're staying there, they're not going on the road and they're not doing takeovers, then, yeah, I think there is a real possibility that this this kind of holds. But then the re- then the interesting thing comes, okay, when are you going to start bringing these guys up? What, when do you now decide, okay, Braun Breaker is ready for the main roster? Because that's been the problem with Vince McMahon for so long is that he's either just not been interested in when guys are ready or guys aren't ready or whatever it is. And his roster is very old, like super. I mean, the, the main roster is so fucking old. You know, do they change? In, in, an, in a year's time, is a 23-year-old Braun Breaker on the main roster? I don't know that. I don't know that right now. I mean, history would say over the last five years, no, but this could be a whole new thing. I mean, maybe maybe Vince McMahon truly did not think that NXT guys were getting guys ready, and now that he's got his, you know, he's got his finger on it, and he's got guys that he trusts, and he's looking at it, he's looking at the scripts, that now he will have confidence that when he's ready to bring Trick Williams up, he'll bring him up and he'll be ready for him. I, I don't know. I don't know that. It's all a very, very interesting thing we're going to see over the next six to seven to eight months. Wouldn't the reason to do takeovers be that four times a year you can draw a $300,000 house or whatever. I mean, or whatever, you know, those are big draws. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. You're filling a building, but I guess what you're saying is if you don't have stars down there, you're not going to be able to fill those buildings anyway. So it would have to be back to the old takeovers that were done in full sale in front of the same 300 fans. Right. So I kind of understand from that standpoint, you can't really do the big grandiose takeovers. But I would think you'd still want something for the TV to build to. Or maybe it's just completely stripped down now and they don't even look at it from that aspect. I, I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's for now, it's a far more interesting watch than the, than the previous. The previous incarnation of NXT was just. I didn't mind the full sale days at all. I thought no, that- no, no. It was fine. We we would. I I remember I reviewed it weekly when uh, we were doing written reviews on the website, and and I know you did some stuff uh, as well on audio. I mean, it was it was sometimes boring, but it was usually pretty solid. It was solid A to B to C booking, building up to a takeover, uh, building up guys. You know, yeah. It, it was it was fine. It was perfectly acceptable pro wrestling, and then it just yeah, two three years ago just completely lost its way. Yeah. And and became whatever it was. Got absolutely annihilated by AEW, and 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 here's the result is. is NXT 2.0, and uh, we do okay. Sorry, we do have to talk about this guy because then, then we'll kind of quickly go over the matches. I'm, I'm not going to go in excruciating detail here. No, you know what? No, hold on. We'll, we'll get to him when we get to him. We'll get to him when we get to him because I'm excited to talk about him. But let's start. Braun Breaker. We get that. We NXT 2.0 starts. All the guys cut their promos, which I thought was a really cool thing. Uh, every guy, every guy in the main event cutting their promo, talking about why they're going to win, and then we get a cut to Braun Breaker. Why in the world? <laughs> It's just you know we get we can get excited about NXT 2.0, but it is still this company and it is still Vince McMahon. It is still WWE. I there is not one reason on earth that you have a man who is legitimately Rick Steiner's son wearing Steiner Brothers ring attire that you copyrighted the name Rex Steiner that wrestles like Rick Steiner that wrestles like a Steiner talks like a Steiner looks like a Steiner dresses like a Steiner and you call him Braun Breaker. It's not hard. This is so easy. What are you idiots doing? I, I feel like <laughs> what are you doing? And there were there were mul- and there were multiple wrestlers on this show that are sons of wrestlers. They changed yeah, Von all of their Wagner names. is is and I get you know what honestly from a I almost kind of get who cares about Wayne Bloom's son? You, you know what I mean? Who cares? It's Wayne Bloom. Yeah, it's not that big of a deal. They changed William Regal's son's name. Yeah, yeah. 
That one's dumb too. But <laughs> but the thing about it is, in pro wrestling, you do whatever it takes to get someone. Yes, over. it's a, a if, leg up. That guy has a leg up already because yes. he's a Steiner, and he looks and 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 wrestles and and has the same gear as a Steiner. <laughs> like, just lean into it. I mean, anything that can give you a leg up, anything that helps get someone over, should be seen as a positive. But for whatever reason, they just they it's the old tear you down to build you back up. I don't get it. Um, I would think that you would take advantage of any edge that you have to get someone over and try to make a star. There is no argument that I could listen to that would convince me that it's better to change these people's names. It just doesn't make any fucking sense. Okay. Now, someone sent us a really good tweet. I don't remember who it was, but they said, hey, look, the Steiners were in this company almost 30 years ago. That blew my fucking mind. The Steiners haven't been in WWE for well. Scott came back. Briefly. Yeah, yeah. Rick the has Steiner not been there brothers, since '93 and '94. '94 is the last time. Twenty-eight years ago, yeah. they came to WWE. Okay, to, just to put that in perspective, the year they did in twenty-eight years, in 1993 when they showed up, twenty-eight years before that was 1965. <laughs> right, right. So that's what we're talking about here, like. You know, a lot of the people watching don't know who the fucking Steiners are, but that's not the point. You can teach them. You say this guy's the son of Rick Steiner. He's right, well, a if it doesn't matter legend. to you, it doesn't matter to you. For the people that yeah, it does matter it to matter you, what the, that's right. Yeah. Then it doesn't matter what the name is, right? If you don't know who he is, right? But finish your point. Like, but if it, yeah, yeah, if it matters, I mean, if it matters to you, it's fucking awesome. Hey, that's Rick Steiner's son. That's cool. I remember the Steiner brothers. That's cool. He looks like a million bucks. He looks awesome. And if you don't know who Rick Steiner is, hey, this this Rex Steiner guy looks like a million bucks and, and it's kicking ass. Like. It, listen, I hate to do this, but it's what we talk about all the time with AEW. They, they, it's fan service. Like you either can participate in that or not, and it's like it does no harm to the people who don't get it. You know, it does no harm, but it makes everyone else happy that you're acknowledging history and respecting, you know, uh, pro wrestling and all of those sorts of things. And these cool nods enhance everything for the people who do get it. And it's so stupid not to do it. It just doesn't make any sense. You know, why make it harder for people to get over? You're in the star-making business. Take advantage of every edge you have. I just, it baffles me, and I do not understand. And also, by the way, Braun Breaker is a really stupid name. It's a terrible name, yeah. It's an absolute name. Like with any other name, eventually you get used to it, right? But it's a really stupid fucking name. Right. It's just it's it's you just don't have to do it. It, it reminds me of, of the, the horrible era of the Michael McGillicuddy era and that stuff where it was just like, what are you yeah. doing? Just say he's Kurt Hennig's son. It's fine. Like and, and some people, you know, the expectations are, are hard and they can't live up to it. I know people say that and it's like but it's still like you said, it's a leg up. It's a it's an immediate leg up. That, I'm going to tell you why that's a shitty argument, because if you suck, you suck. I don't care what you're right. Is. Right. If you're good, it doesn't matter. Right. Randy like, Orton didn't become a star because he was Bob Orton Jr.'s son. It helped right. parts, but no, it was because he was good. <laughs> That's why yeah. he became a star. Yeah, I mean, so so why not give everyone the edge of being the son of a legend? Because if they're not any good, they're going to fail regardless. It, it's not this thing where they have to live up to the name. It doesn't mean anything. Uh, that's a horrible argument. It doesn't make sense. You're not taking advantage of 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 a built in, of the easiest thing to take advantage of. Shit, Rich, wrestling promoters used to fake, <laughs> yeah, they make fake yeah, sons. Yeah, they work that people were related to, to help them get a leg up. Now we we do the opposite. 
Well, one company does the opposite. Yeah. I mean, AEW takes full advantage. Oh, my God, yes. What would you think of a, of a green-ass guy with an unimpressive body who can't work yet like Brock Anderson if he was fucking Jim Nelson or something? You would just think he's some common jobber. But because you know he's Brock Anderson's son, you you, you think a little better of him. You're like, all right, it's, it's fucking Arn Anderson's son. Maybe he can be something, right? It's taking advantage of that small edge. Hook. Would Hook have the following he has? God, no. He was Hell no. Hell no. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, they, they've know? done three weeks of storylines on Brian Pillman Jr. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. just, just because he's Brian Pillman's. And then all the promos are related around. Yeah, it's just a, it's a layup. It's so Fucking easy. Lean into it. It's so easy. And if it doesn't Got work, it. it doesn't work. But it's just so easy. There's just no need not to. Yeah, it doesn't mean it's going to work. But it's an absolutely a leg up and an advantage. Take advantage of it. You know, it's just company just it's another area where they've completely lost the plot on star making. I mean, promote bookers used to work that shit to give people that edge. Now we're taking it away from people who legitimately have it. (laughs) And and the other thing, too, is is the Rex Steiner thing. That's not even his real name. It's not even the Steiners. Their name isn't Steiner. I heard people saying like, oh, well, if he leaves, then like he'll have the name. That's not. No, they have that name. It's not his real name. His name's Rex. His his name's Bronson Rex Steiner. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's that's it's so that's not even a good argument. It's not like, oh, well, you never know. That's not even their real names. (laughs) That's a fake name. It's a working name anyway. Yeah, William Regal is fucking Darren Matthews. <laughs> right, right. So you can make his son fucking, you know, uh, fucking uh, Caleb fucking Regal or, or 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 Gareth Regal since everyone is fucking named <laughs> Gareth. Gareth from there. Right. And and you could own that name like you're saying. Like right. it doesn't even mean anything uh, because the kid's name is fucking something whatever the fuck Matthews is his real name. So, yeah, that, that, that fucking defense doesn't fly either. God, it's just fucking maddening. Why do they well, make everything worse? Why? It's so much harder, and they don't have to. It's so easy. All of these guys Wrestling would be so, so much, simple. Yeah, yeah, it's so all simple. these guys would just come across so much cooler if we knew that they were the sons of these people and presented like that. It's just fucking, it's, it's unbelievable how they make everything worse. Yeah, so much harder. But uh, anyway, uh, Brown Breaker for inexplicably uh, comes out, beats the fuck out of L.A. Knight, whoops his ass, even though L.A. Knight is going to be in the main event going for the title. But uh Anyway, he, he got his ass kicked, so that was pretty cool. Um, then we had uh, – real quick, I'm just going to go over some of these other ones here because a lot of stuff was just like dudes came out. Well, that's what I mean. It's like a reset button. Like if this would have been Poppy NXT, the the, the Steiner kid would have lost. Yeah, oh, Because LA, sure. LA Knight is pushed, and when they bring new people in, they lose for a while. This is all new, which is why it's exciting because now the booking patterns and the booking rhythms have all changed as well. Uh, so then we had uh, Josh Briggs. Uh, Brooks Jensen uh, versus Imperium. So Brooke, I forget who Brooks Jensen is. He's somebody too. I forget. Brooks Jensen is um is someone's kid. He's uh um Bull Buchanan's. Oh, that's right. He's Bull Buchanan's kid. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. He, yeah. So um, <laughs> I, I'm not buying Brooks Jensen's stock right now. I'll tell you that. But uh, I mean, what would it kill them? To... You want them no, to lean into Bull good, Buchanan? Would it kill them to just call him Brooks? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Buchanan. I mean, what's the big deal? Yeah, I mean, what, yeah. like, why? It's it's strange. But why? Well, why not? It's alliteration. I mean, you know. Gotta go with Are Brooks. You there, Craig? I'm there. I'm there. I'm here. 
I lost you for a second. But yeah, I was afraid Imperium were going to lose to these two goofs. Yeah, I don't I hope that somebody still likes Imperium there because yeah, they, I was they, like, "Uh-oh, we're beating all the old guys." <laughs> yeah, Vince is really putting his like I said, it's a it's a subtweet, so he's going to every one of his guys is going to get beaten down, but luckily Imperium got the got the win there. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh then we got Bfab versus Katrina Cortez. What do you think of Bfab here? I thought she stunk. Yeah, she was um, she was real bad. <laughs> she uh has confidence and presents herself well and is a good part of that act. One thing that drives me nuts, and this is just a me thing and it, it doesn't matter, but in their entrance theme, her part of the song where she goes, I got doughy doughy, that part fucking annoys me. So I cannot <laughs> fucking stand that line. Or she says, we're getting doughy doughy. Whatever she says about doughy doughy, I fucking hate. It makes me cringe so hard, that doughy doughy line. And um, Top Dalla is – I've finally decided he's a fucking geek. I can't stand Top Dalla. He's a tryhard. I don't like him. Ashanti, the Adonis, though, and Isaiah Scott, I'm all in. Those guys are great. Top Dalla could hit the bricks. He's a tryhard. I don't like him. And uh, B-Fab, eh, it's a developmental show. Let's give her some time. Uh, then we had Austin Theory and Damian Priest who returned uh, from their – Excursions, I guess. Austin Theory from his excursion and then Damian Priest, I guess, from the main roster. And then we never saw Damian Priest again, so I don't know what happened here, but whatever. Doesn't matter. Uh, Carmelo Hayes introduced Trick Williams. We talked what? about this. Wait, Damian Priest? What the hell are you talking yeah. about? Yeah, hey, he was there. Damian Priest, the United States champion? Yeah. Did I fucking miss this? <laughs> I think you must have. He was there for sure. Okay. Yeah. He was, right. yeah, yeah, he was I, I guess it was something where he was going there for the open bars. I forget what it was, so. Was uh, I must have been taking a leak. That's probably that. fine. It's probably okay. So uh, then Mandy Rose came out. She's a brunette now. Um, so there you go. Mandy Rose is a brunette. Uh, and then they had a match. All uh, right. It was uh, Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter defeated Gigi Dolan and, and, and JC Jane. Uh, then they broke it down because Mandy Rose came in. Then they did a, uh, a six-way here, uh, a six-man tag here. Gigi, JC Jane, Mandy Rose defeat Casey, Caden Carter, and Sarai. So. Yeah. All the matches were neat and tidy. Yeah. Oh, every match was like three minutes, four minutes, five minutes, which is perfect, too. So Ridge Holland came out, just beat the fuck out of Drake Maverick. That was cool. Then we got to talk about this guy, Joe. Tony D'Angelo. So people were going nuts in our Discord. They said that this was you and I doing a fusion dance here where it's it's a (laughs) greaseball Italian from Chicago (laughs) whose dad is in the waste management business. Yes. Uh, He has a... He's from the area. He's from Illinois. I forget exactly what party is. He does not have a Chicago accent, though. No. He's trying to do a Chicago accent, but like most people, it ends up just sounding like a dollar store, like, you know, super fans SNL uh, accent here. It's it's a very tough accent to kind of fake. Uh, so so Tony is like, yeah, yeah, I'm in the waste management business. <laughs> like, I don't know. Was he trying to do Chicago? To I think me? he was trying, but it was really bad. I think I did it better there than he did it there but uh so he's walking the streets of what is definitely not chicago i don't know where he was but uh yeah. he's walking the streets and it's like you know we got a little bit of like italian music in the background you know a little violin <laughs> or something in the back and it's i actually like this character it's weird because so what he's saying is because he's addressing his real life that he was an amateur wrestler that he was a hu- he was because he was he was an amateur wrestler i think he i forget where he went doesn't matter i went to wrestle at buffalo <laughs> yeah, buffalo that's right <laughs> And you know what? It was good, but there's no money in that. There's more yeah. money here in NXT. And I like Joe, I like that. There that- ain't no money in amateur wrestling. <laughs> He's right. That's it's the thing. He's said. not wrong. And it makes NXT seem like a big deal because this guy yeah. who was a 
star in air quotes, you know, I amateur wrestler at Buffalo. I was number one at the Greco-Roman, is what he said. <laughs> see, I was see, number one at the see, Greco-Roman. See, doing, you're doing, like, the Andrew Dice Clay accent. Yes. yes. He was trying to do, like, an Al Capone, like, he watched an Al Capone movie. Right. And did the accent from that, which was probably not, and it's just this amalgamation of some random accent. From a bad Al Capone. Right, like, like right, right, oh, right. I don't know, I didn't. See, you, it's not good. It wasn't a good one. I promise you, it to wasn't a me, good Chicago accent. No, no. To me, I didn't even think he was trying to do Chicago. To me, he just came across like a guy with a one episode arc on The Sopranos who gets <laughs> right, whacked right. immediately. Like that's how he came across to me. Yeah, that's my friend like, Tony D'Angelo. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And he hijacks the wrong truck, and they gotta, you know, and he has to get whacked. You know that that's what he came across like to, like an actor doing what he thinks a gangster from New Jersey sounds like is how he came across to me. But maybe you're right. Maybe he was trying to do Chicago Italian gangster. Um, but I like the cut of this guy's gym. I'm, I'm into Tony D'Angelo. I am into Tony D'Angelo. I like sure. Tony D'Angelo who went to wrestle at Buffalo. <laughs> You know, it, 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 you notice with everyone on this show, they made it a point to tell you what their legitimate. Yeah, I, well, I like that. Yes. But then but change their name and then change their name every single time. And then change their name. Yeah. So if you want to look up Joe Ariola, which I, I get why they changed Joe Ariola's name. I'll tell you that for sure. Dude, yeah. your last name is a tit. Yeah. Joey tits. Yeah. Joey tits. Hey, how's it going? They should have made him Joey tits. Yeah. I'm Joe Ariola. They call me Joey Tits. Joey Nips. I'm Joey Nips. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It would have been perfect. Yeah, with the Buffalo. You know damn well if this would have been 1996 ECW, he'd be Joey, <laughs> right. Joey Ariola, also known as Joey Tits, <laughs> right. part of the FBI, tag teaming with JT Smith and, and fucking Little Guido. That's what he'd be. Because that's basically what, like, uh, Vito LaGrasso was. Remember the fucking Baldies? But yeah, no, they, they, this guy, I like the, they, they, they tell you the legit backgrounds, but then they give them <laughs> the fake names, but that's also very anti Vince to tell you the legit. Backgrounds. I know. Yeah. I was kind of surprised because he, he, he leaned into it a little bit by, by, uh, you know, obviously changing the names and all that sort of stuff. But, uh, yeah, keeping, keeping the, uh, uh, keeping the, uh, the, the real life history is, is, is pretty cool here. And I actually, so this is an interesting development here. So, uh, our, our boy, Joey Ariola here, Joey tits, he, uh, he went to uh, Oak Park River Forest High School, which, Joe, I don't know if you remember, in the early days of the Voice Wrestling flagship, I was living in Oak Park at the time. That's right. So there is a possibility. There is a possibility that when, with an open window, that Joe Ariola is walking around town, hears the Voice Wrestling. You know what I mean? There's a very strong possibility he has heard Absolutely. this show before. That's right. So, and it inspired him to become a pro right. wrestler. So you're welcome, everybody, for a... Uh, Tony D'Angelo, I, I love Tony. I'm I'm all in on Tony D'Angelo too. It's it's you and I. We we need to claim him anyway because it's just like an amalgamation of you and I, yeah, together. So yeah, we're we're all in. I'm 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 full on in on Tony D'Angelo for sure. So. Maybe it's because of us that he knows there's no money in the Greco Roman. Yeah, yeah, maybe it's exactly. because of us. You know? <laughs> Buffalo. How does it? <laughs> Buffalo. How come? What is it when a guy who already has a Jersey accent does another Jersey act? Like, how does that come across? Like when I try to do that? Yeah, it's it's like it just ends up sounding like Andrew Dice Clay, is like I said. Yeah, hickory dickory dock. <laughs> right, that's like, always what it sounds like. Yeah, because wasn't wasn't that what he was doing? Because I'm sure, like, that's not his real. That's him no, putting so, up to ten, right? Okay, so he was. I don't know if you know his backstory, but like he was just, he was he was just like a normal com- comedian, right? He was just like a dude, right? He was a yeah, regular stand up and the dice man was just a character he did. It was a bit. 
but it got over so much that he just the character that bit became the whole act. So yeah, he's it's a it's a put on. It's just but but it was so you know it was like the only, it was the part of his act that got over so well that he just made it the act. So that that's the deal with that. Yeah. But um, yeah, he's just an East Coast. I think he's a Jewish guy. I don't even think he's Italian. He's a Jewish guy who was you know doing like the stereotypical. I don't even know if Andrew Dice. I don't even know if Andrew Dice Clay is supposed to be Italian, but. It you know it's obviously a East Coast Italianish accent, yeah, yeah. so yeah. So Tony D'Angelo, incredible, uh, a house favorite here. Uh, it voices the wrestling. Then the Creed brothers just absolutely decimated Dan Jarman and Trevor Skelly. You guys rule. Yeah, that that unit, that Malcolm Bivens unit, is awesome yeah. now too. Fucking yeah, even the girl, the yeah. Ivy Nile. Oh yeah, she's yeah. awesome. She's got the the hair up, square up hair going on too. She's fucking yeah, yeah. awesome. Great. I mean, she might be terrible. Yeah, I don't know. Eh, whatever. It's fine. We'll yeah. figure it out. We'll find out. Um, then we had our main event here. Uh, obviously, Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Kyle Riley got beaten down. I forget when he uh, got – I forget what segment he got beaten During down. During one of the matches. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But anyway, the ECW December to dismember you where Kyle Riley gets beaten down before and he gets replaced. This is a fucking acid trip this entire show. He gets replaced by the son of Wayne Bloom, yeah. former Beverly brother. Yeah. Former, uh, you know, Midwest AWA star Wayne Bloom, uh, Cal Bloom, who is now yeah. Von Wagner. <laughs> Von Wagner. Right. Yeah. Not a member of Imperium yet. No. Yeah. Maybe he should be. Yet. Wayne. Wayne the train Bloom. Yeah. Before the destruction crew days. And then uh, he was, uh, he was uh, Bo Beverly. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. And then did. Then did no, some... no. Or was he Blake? <laughs> oh, he was. Yeah, I don't remember was, to be honest. He was Bo. He was Bo. Enos was Blake. Yes, Almost that is positive. correct. Yeah, that is correct. And then then became a, a WCW jobber for a couple years after that too. So Wayne Bloom did. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he he pop up every so often. I know Enos was there in the Nitro days. Oh yeah, Enos was there from you know ninety five until um, yeah. yeah. I'm almost positive Bloom. Um, yeah, yeah. He was on Nitro all the time. I don't remember Wayne Bloom. Yeah, he yeah, was a lot of '98 Nitros. He he was there. So, yeah, uh, I remember because he was in a, uh, a spring break. I remember when I did the spring break uh, series last year mm. uh, on Patreon. It was uh, Jim Neidhart and the British Bulldog versus Mike Enos and Wayne Bloom, but they didn't. Uh, they put them back together. They put them back together, and then you know Mike Tanay was like, "Oh, actually, these guys have been," and they were like, "Shut up, nerd!" You know that that classic oh, thing God. where where they put him, they bring him to the table, and you know he's like, "Oh, actually, these guys are very experienced. They had many years." And they're like, "Ah, what are you talking about, Mike?" And he's just like, "Okay." So you think it was a fluke that they ended up together? Oh uh, no, because they they put them together for like four or five for for a couple months. They put them together actually, and then oh, they, they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't understand why they well, we're talking about nineteen ninety nine. WCW. I was yeah, gonna say yeah, I don't understand kind of why they didn't run with that, but yeah. yeah. I, I I mean, like, yeah, I don't know if in the spring of 1998, pushing the Minnesota Wrecking Crew is really what I would do. <laughs> you know, Minnesota Wrecking Crew too. Yes, right, right. Um, yeah, they were the Destruction Crew, and then they wore like the same gear but just put on masks when yeah. they came to WCW. <laughs> right, right. As Minnesota Wrecking Crew too, and then they came in as the Beverly Brothers, which I don't know how Vince came up with that. These are two like, guys doing a blue collar construction worker gimmick right and then he decides you guys are from hollywood hills or you know yeah and are gonna be uh wink wink brothers that are yes, wink, wink. Yes. not definitely not gay 
You know, like how do you come up with that? Like you would think that he would be into the construction. Yeah, and they're like thing. legit fucking tough dudes too. They're yes. from Minneapolis. They're legit tough guys. Like they're legit. Ba- it must have been one of those classic like ribs. Like ah, rib them. They're gonna be gay. You know what I mean? Let's make them incestuous gay guys. <laughs> right. Exactly. It must have just been that. Wayne, I got an idea for you, pal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as he's sitting there, Wayne, Mike, you're Bo, you're Blake. <laughs> You're the Beverly brother. <laughs> you know, it's Bo like, and Blake are very effeminate yeah. names. When you get in trouble, you touch each other. You go for the cold. You go for the warm embrace of your brother. <laughs> your brothers, but we're going to imply that you're fucking. Yeah, that's <laughs> right, yeah. like... And they're, and kind of gimmick One of those classic, they walk out of the room and just go, oh, whatever. <laughs> like, the check clears. <laughs> who cares? You know what I mean? Like, Because then they wrestled like badasses too, which is the best part. Like... Yes, they did. When they were healed, like, so they'd get beaten down, and when they would get beaten down, they would go for, like, the hogs, like, the, you know, and then, like, but then when they'd be on offense, they'd just fucking kick ass. Like, there was a, the awesome Steiner Brothers versus Beverly Brothers from, like, I think Rumble 93. Let me tell you something. That era of WWF tag teams is so underrated because they then you had fucking the fucking great. Then you had the smoking guns who would just murder jobbers on a weekly basis, too. You had the Quebecers who would fucking murder people. That era fucking ruled. It's very underrated for I the agree. tag teams. I agree. The, the, the Beverly Brothers finisher was they would <laughs> they would throw a man in the air and the other guy would just drill his face into the mat. That was their finisher. I mean, every time they did it, it looked like they were going to cause a broken neck. And I loved every second of it. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's the gimmick was so weird. You know, I would have thought Vince would have taken one look at those construction worker deals with the helmets and the fucking hammers and ran with that. You know, he never had a con- did Vince ever have a construction worker? I don't think he did. That's like the only occupation. Uh, of course. Uh, yeah. The real man's man, Stephen Regal. Oh, yeah, you're right. He's yeah. a man. <laughs> ding, ding, yeah, ding. That song. Yeah. It's the, another absolute 100 percent rib. You have Darren, the aforementioned Darren Matthews show up in your room. And he probably put a he probably put like a hammer on the table and said, Darren, you know what that is? <laughs> you know, like... Yeah, you know, it's funny, like he did the aristocrat rich snooty gimmick, and then they turned him into the manly man. Yes. And they took the manly man Beverly brothers and turned them into the rich snooty yeah. aristocrat. Definitely not. Joe, gay if brothers. I didn't know any better, I would say Vince McMahon kind of sucks at his job sometimes. Uh, listen, you know. <laughs> what's you know what they say, Rich, on the streets? You're preaching to the choir, okay. my friend. I understand the yeah, point maybe, you're making. Maybe instead of making stars using most of it, <laughs> using most of it as an inside joke, using your company as an inside joke. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Another great early '90s team brought up in the room: the Head Shrinkers. You throw them in there too. I'm telling you, it was all oh, those guys. A, yeah, they were fucking maniacs. Yeah, that was, that was it. Was a go ahead, go ahead. No, nah, I was just gonna say it was a really cool era for WWF tag teams. That's all. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, that, that era is that late 1992, early 1993 is really, really good. I, yeah. lo- I love that era, uh, that era of, of WWF. So, all right. So then you had the, uh, the uh, not the main event here. Well, the, the, the final match here with Ciampa done, Knight and uh, and Von Wagner. Tommaso Ciampa gets the win here, uh, wins the NXT title, the vacant NXT title, which I guess gets us to our next. We'll, we'll jump ahead here because we'll talk about the, the index wedding, even though there's really nothing to talk about the index wedding. But uh, the NXT title is stripped. Uh, Samoa Joe posts the weirdest video I've ever seen on Sunday at like 7 p.m. It gets posted. Samoa Joe goes, uh, yeah, due to certain injuries, uh, I'm going to be out of an indeterminate amount of time. But uh, I feel sorry for who's going to win this NXT title because uh, I'm coming for you. 
And that's it. NXT, Samoa Joe stripped of the NXT title. So uh, somehow between his not wrestling, Samoa Joe hurt himself. Got a, quote, certain injury, Joe, and he'll be out in an indeterminate amount of time. Um, <sighs> he is not injured. Right? No, man's not in. Man has no injury. No. Vincent Mad no said, who's our champion? I fired his ass. What is he doing out there? So. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. It's so good. Definitely not injured. But then they went and put the title on an old school guy anyway. Yeah. You know? Um, which, you know, he got, you know, Braun fucking Breaker, you know, stepped up to him at the end of the show. So, uh, they're putting Braun Breaker. Yeah, strap him up. Who fucking cares? Why not? Yeah, what's the difference? (laughs) Who cares? They'll be, he's in the main event program already. So he's getting the rocket strap. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, the one thing I enjoyed about the main event was it was, like everything else on the show, it was quick and tidy. Didn't overstay its welcome. Didn't try to be an epic. Yeah, 10 minutes. Bunch of guys did stuff. Tomasa Champa just won. Hit his move and won. Yeah, yeah. So those are all positives. You know, I I, I think it's good to see NXT get away from the overindulgence stuff. And I, and I think that they will. So, you know, that's positive. It's an interesting show. I'll watch it next week. Um. I don't know what the hell is going to happen with Samoa Joe. I, there's a good chance he never wrestles again, right? I mean, he might just have his little administrative backstage role at this point. And um, because he definitely doesn't fit the profile of what they're trying to do. And it, it isn't exactly a vote of confidence if they strip you of the title. But no news has really leaked out of what the real story was there. So, um, you know, that what that tells you is he isn't hurt. Because if he was injured, that would have, you know confirmed somewhere yeah he's certain injuries <laughs> i thought the tone of that was uh pretty interesting so yeah uh yeah that's that's it for samoa joe so hopefully you liked him winning that title against karen cross because I, I don't think he's wrestling again for that company so uh and then we had the index wedding which was the weirdest wrestling wedding ever because they just had a wedding and they kissed and then it was it so I thought it was legitimately funny. There was real yeah I was that was exactly what my hot take is there was a few things that happened that were legitimately funny the the you know, the Dexter Loomis character is is utterly bizarre, but they did some real good lines here. Indy, I thought, did a tremendous job uh, with her lines. Dexter Loomis face. taking out the <laughs> Dexter Loomis taking out the first priest after he says, "You have nothing to say," and then he just fucking kills him basically. So, thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, there was a lot of legitimately funny moments in this one. He shows the axe. He's got the axe like in his jacket, like a suit jacket. I legitimately laughed at WWE programming. I don't. I cannot tell you the last time I did that. It was, it was, um, some of the humor here was actually kind of clever, yeah. which you're not used to when you watch, when you watch WWE, you're used to it just being lowest common denominator, eye rolly kind of, you know, shitty humor. But some of the, some of the bits they pulled here were, were, were legitimately clever. It was harmless fun. Um, <laughs> even had the bravado brother. What the fuck's his name? Um. Uh, I don't know his uh, NXT name. Yeah, what the yeah, hell? Yeah, but is they call it? Yeah, he did a bit uh, around, you know, having to do with his. I forget what his name is now. His name but, is uh, Clint Barrow. No, it's not. It's oh, uh, that's his real name. Sorry, Adrian uh, Andre Chase. Andre Chase. Yeah. Clint um, Barrow is. I'm sorry to uh, dox Harlan Bravado here with his real name, but yeah, that's okay. Someone Andre said Chase. something. Someone said the word Chase or something, and he stood up and and 
someone say Andre Ch-? and I'm like that's the fucking bravado bro. <laughs> yeah that's awesome <laughs> uh, nah, it's, it, you know it was it was it, it was silly fun and it didn't delve too silly and it was actually kind of clever and I didn't mind it and um, she's got a weird face but other than that it, you know it was <laughs> she's got a weird face man. I don't care I, she's a good, good looking woman I, 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 no I, I listen yes very attractive woman it's just I this is a little weird isn't it it's a little I droopy mean, it's a little droopy yeah. I don't know what's going on there um lovely woman though um, <laughs> you don't know anything about her you can't say that nah, I hear good things I hear good things um yeah, so they they did the wedding and and the show. I knew the show was going to draw because number one, there was a wedding, but number two, there was clearly interest in this rebooted version. But can we please stop saying NXT? Are they going to say NXT two point oh? Yes, <laughs> of course they are. Ugh. Even though it's not two point, it's not actually the second NXT, but that's fine. Yeah. Um. Yeah, of course they're going to say that. Are you kidding? It's clearly yeah. an edict. That that is never going. Yeah, they're calling it 2.0 forever. Maybe after a month when we get the point. No. Just... <laughs> so every time they're going to say NXT yes. 2.0. <laughs> is this your this first time watching on... this company? Yes. This week on NXT 2.0. Yes. Like, welcome to NXT 2.0. Yes. <laughs> like they have to say 2.0 every time they say NXT. Like forever into perpetuity now. It can't just be NXT at some no. point after we realize it's not. <laughs> no. You don't under you. Is this your first time? You new here? It'd be a one week thing, Ugh. and then now we know it's two point oh. No? We've got the color splash. We have the uneven logo, so we understand that it's two point oh. Like we have to keep saying it though. Yes. All right. Yeah, get used to that, Vic Joseph. They they screamed I mean, gonna... less. They did scream less on this, so that that I enjoyed. It's gonna annoy me. But oh, for sure. I guess yeah, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be ridiculous. Yeah, it's gonna be ridiculous. But it is what it is. So there you go. That that was NXT 2.0. I'm 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 gonna watch next week for sure. Uh, like you said, new Booker comes in the territory. It's always exciting. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. So Loomis said I do. By the way, or said yes or whatever. So everybody. Changed. He did. He did. There was tension there. We didn't know if he was just gonna murder someone else. Yeah. But um, he did. And now they're married. So now what do you do? I don't know. Yeah, that might that might literally be the end of it. Vince just probably just said, ignore it? Yeah, yeah just... I bet like he was just like, oh, all right, fine. <laughs> like, we'll do it, but then we're done. So yeah. Um, yeah, I I I would be surprised if we ever see. I don't know. Maybe maybe he's taken a liking to this Dexter Loomis character. We'll see what ends up happening. But that was that was NXT 2.0. And that is it for our discussions about World Wrestling Entertainment. Two hours on World Well, an hour and a half. A half an hour was on. Kevin Mitchell and <laughs> various 30 for 30s. But uh, let's talk about uh, AEW, what's going on uh, with them. So obviously we have uh, Dynamite uh, from this last week, Thursday tier reviews uh, over there at VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Patreon. You just posted that uh, a little bit earlier today uh, for those listening. But $5 tier, Patreon.com slash VoicesOfWrestling, uh, the Thursday tier reviews for this week's Dynamite. And everything is setting up for next week's huge two-night event here, Dynamite Grand Slam. And we're doing a Rampage Grand Slam to a two-hour Rampage, a two-hour Dynamite, four hours of, of, of first-run AEW on major networks this uh, next week here. Uh, the Dynamite card looks really stacked right now. We got Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson, Britt Baker versus Ruby Soho, Cody Rhodes versus Malachi Black, MJF versus Brian Pillman Jr., and FTR versus Darby Allen and Sting is your Dynamite card. I mean, that is fucking loaded. It is. That rating is going to be big. That's going to be a big boy. I mean, given, given what the rating for this show was, and yeah. this the hype train. I mean, this this entire show was 
yeah, we're here this week in New Jersey. New Jersey kind of sucks, but next week we're going to be in New York, and that's the show. Like, the whole show was that. The whole show was, yeah, whatever, this week. Next week we're going to be there, Arthur Ashe, New York City. So, yeah, I, I cannot. I mean, they, they could not have hard sold next week any more than they did. They're going to beat Raw for the third week in a row, and they're going to be right on their heels and viewers this time, too. I agree. Yeah. This When you when you bring Omega and Danielson and, yeah. and Cody versus Malachi and Baker versus Ruby Soho, yeah, it's going to be insane. Did you just hear that weird sound? Yeah, it says our call ends in 10 minutes. Why? Why We've never had a problem with this. Upgrade to happened. Google Workspace Individual. How much do I got to pay for this shit? But don't pay him anything. $8 There's a month? Get out of here. There's obviously some kind of glitch here because we've we've done this for you know they, they didn't yeah this is nonsense must, something must have happened when I clicked out and clicked yeah, back in. Yeah, I think in. so. I think so. Well, I guess we got to start a new call though because <laughs> it's a professional operation. Yeah, you know here. what? I'm gonna hit try for I'm gonna hit try it for free. There we go. Try it risk free for 14 days. So we're good for four. Oh, you need my credit card info. Okay, all right. Oh uh, well, you're not getting that, pal. <laughs> Let's see here. I'll, I'll cancel it immediately. I'll have it. A... I'll tell you what. Just give me your credit card info and your social security number, Rich, and I will handle this. There we go. Okay, I'll do it on the air here. All right. So we'll, we'll mute yeah. for sure. Okay. I'm all set, Joe. I know. Uh, uh, your mother's maiden is. name would be helpful. Yeah. And, uh, security code. What was your favorite subject in school? <laughs> the street you grew up on. Right. Right. Uh, make right. sure you give me that. supply give me, me that. with that as well. And, um, we will take care of this. Well, Google, which Google just got $8 from us, so uh, patreon.com slash voice Did you really just pay him? I think I did, yeah. We'll see how it goes. All right. I can cancel any time, but it might, maybe it's useful. I don't know. I'll, I'll look into what it is. So. Well, there's $4 I'll never get back on the P&L this month. <laughs> <laughs> patreon.com slash voice wrestling. Five or $10 tiers to help us make up for this egregious uh, Google, uh, fucking Google workspace. Get the hell out of here. Anyway. Um, yeah, loaded card. For light it up like dynamite. Oh, oh, oh. Do you do that every week? Every week. That's awesome. <laughs> I snap my fingers. I do the little. little Are you getting shimmy. better at it? Is is that is that? What do you mean? That was great. <laughs> what do you mean? Am I getting? If I were any better, I'd be in the group. I mean, what are we? What are you talking about? Could you imagine JL in BTE out there? BTS, the yeah. Uh, BTS, <laughs> yes, is the name of the group, yeah. yeah. Could you imagine me out there with those guys? Yeah, yeah, you'd look good. Yeah, and like you're wearing a long trench coat or something, whatever the cool style of the week is. I don't know. The one, I don't know. The one, the one white guy, right, out there with the Korean guys, yeah. you know, dancing, right? Give me a little verse to sing. What would you wear? Would you wear like your leather, like the the the, the stereotypical like Joe, would you wear like what they wear or would you wear like your leather Wait, jacket oh, and jeans oh, 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 and like... Hold on, hold on. What's the stereotypical Joe Lanza look? I need to hear this. Uh, don't you just, you just wear like a, a normal button up and like a, je- uh, uh, like a jean jacket or not a jean jacket, like a leather jacket. I've never worn a jean jacket in my life. Yeah, <laughs> not the Canadian tuxedo, you're not Bret Hart. No, every no. time I've seen you, I've only seen you once to be fair. Or I've seen you one weekend, but yeah, you wore yeah. a leather jacket, jeans and like a black shirt every single time. Is I didn't know it? I had to, I didn't know I had it. Well, it was when it was, you know, cold in New York City in April, you know? <laughs> you gotta bundle up, you know? You can't Is that the look though? I'm just I don't know. Is that the look? That's a typical winter look, I'd say. Okay, yeah, yeah, So I'm just saying, are you wearing your winter look with the BTS guys, or are you wearing what they're wearing? Uh well listen, you know, I've gotta appeal to the demographic, right? So I'd have to mirror their look. Which now, I get now they have. I, I correct me if I'm wrong. I know you're a BTS expert, so you're you're the perfect guy to ask. Oh, yes. You know, you know, you know nothing if not the the, the intricacies of K-pop. But um, big fan of butter. Love yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
Um, uh, I don't know if that's the thing. You just said that. I just said yes. I don't know what that is. Um, do they have like the the boy band like in America? It's a thing? number one hit single, Rich. Is oh, okay. what it is. Yeah, I, I mean, know. you really need to get with it. <laughs> but uh, uh, do they have the thing where it's like the sexy one, the strong one, the relatable you know, people... one? Do they have that or no? Yeah, the the athlete. Because <laughs> right, the... all the American boy bands were always like Joey Fatone. Yeah. He's you know, like he's the he's the rebel, <laughs> right? Exactly. He's the cute one. JC the is the one you could bring home to mom. Like, you know, right? It's like, yeah, like. People tell me that that is the case. But they all look the same. Like they're all dressed but the same and look the same. And I don't mean that all, to be like a. But they all like have the exact. Like I watch right. the videos and they're all wearing the same outfit. And I'm like, how could Correct. you tell which one's the sexy one? Like they all and who's the bad boy? Right? They all kind of look like they're all like good looking dudes. I'm like, who's the bad boy and who's the sexy boy? Like I can't tell. So. They they all have the same style, so there's no determining. Right, they're who all the wearing the same like polo. Sh- yeah, this just all looks exactly the same. So I don't I don't get yeah I don't get how yeah. you know which one is. Well, which. people tell me that that is the case. Okay, that's I, good to know. So whatever. Maybe I deep know. down, if you're really deep in, you know that there's like you know this yeah, that's possible. Well, if they need a king of banter, uh, I clearly <laughs> yeah right right crush the lyrics, so they know where to look. Um, you know because. Uh, they definitely need a white guy of my age out there with my button-up shirt and uh, and leather yeah, jacket. Yeah, they're really struggling. They could definitely use <laughs> they could definitely use you to to get that sure. market. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Dynamite. Catchy though, definitely catchy. Uh, every time I've heard one of their songs, I enjoy it. So, how uh, can you not hear every other commercial? Yeah. Is, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Dynamite. The girl on the subway with the phone that folds in half, and. Uh, BTE is in the fucking window. BTS. BTS is in the wind is in the fucking train window singing dynamite. I mean, it's on every 30 seconds uh, at every commercial break on anything that you watch. So, um, but we were talking about dynamite. So I wanted to give you a little bit of dynamite. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So that's, yeah. that's an absolutely loaded show. Uh, Arthur Ashe should be an awesome venue for wrestling too. I cannot wait to see what it looks like. Uh, it's going to be just a tremendous show. So that, that is dynamite grand slam. Uh, Rampage Grand Slam, what we have on that so far, Adam Cole and the Young Bucks uh, versus Christian Cage and the Jurassic Express, CM Punk versus Powerhouse Hobbs, and then the Men of the Year, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky versus Chris Jericho and Jake Hager on the Rampage card. Presumably more will be announced uh, on this week's Rampage. Uh, That is probably not a complete card, and obviously they're doing two hours of Rampage, so uh, there'll be probably a lot more matches on that one, so we'll see about that. And uh, Eddie Kingston and John Moxley versus Lance Archer and Minoru Suzuki is happening, but they have not announced which show it's happening on just yet. So I'd imagine probably on Rampage, given that there's there's spots open on Rampage, but we'll see. But, man, it's a loaded four hours of wrestling, and that's going to be just an awesome atmosphere there. I cannot wait to watch that. Rampage is going to do a huge number, too. I mean, because Wednesday is going to be so huge and feel so big and feel so exciting, and then you have CM Punk wrestling on Friday, and that's going to be this big two-hour thing, and, people, you know, and, and, and I mean, the crowd's going to be hot. It's going to be electric. I mean, Rampage is going to do another big number, too. Rampage is going to do over a million viewers again. Yeah. Um, you know, and Rampage had started to settle to its settle point, and I think this week's number will be, you know, the settle point, probably somewhere in the point twos, the high point twos, 600 to 700,000 viewers. But then next week is going to spike Rampage back up again. And uh, yeah, Dynamite is probably going to beat Raw for the third week in a row. I think they'll nip at their heels with the uh, uh, total viewership. Yeah, that and, that is going to be what to watch for. I mean, the demo, I, I think that it, there's not even an argument. I think it's going to beat that demo for sure. 
going to beat that demo. With, with Danielson Omega, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's funny because like three days ago, people thought that card was going to be underwhelming. People were thinking like MJF Pillman was going to be the main event of that. Um, and now look at that card. I mean, you've got Britt it's a Baker. Pay-per-view. It's a fucking Hello. pay-per-view. you got Cody and Malachi, which you've yeah. built up for months. you got Britt Baker versus Ruby Soho, which is probably the biggest women's match you could do right now. MJF and Pillman has been just massively built. You cannot wait for that. That's fucking Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson. Are you kidding? I know. It's, it's an embarrassment it's of riches. It's an embarrassment of riches. And Sting. Sting's on the show, too. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's just, yeah. I mean. <laughs> they're, they're so good. They're on fire. It's just a wrestling no company that books wrestling and, and just understands it and gets it. It's just, that's. Awesome, but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fascinating to see that overall viewership number. Uh, but uh, like I said, they could not have hyped up that show any more on this week's Dynamite than they did. I mean that that was as big and as coordinated a build as I've almost ever seen for a show. Just like next week, you got to be here. You're an absolute idiot type 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 of build stuff. And and they're right. So yeah, um, I wanted to talk about planting their flag in Chicago. Give me one second here, uh, TLB. I'm glad you're here. My phone is somewhere downstairs. I don't know where it is. If you can find that, that would be tremendous. We could, um, we could be missing some scoops right now. Yeah. I don't know where it is because I don't... Did you see it downstairs or no? I haven't seen it at all. All right. Well, that's not good. No. Um, <laughs> could be in a car. It could be in a... <laughs> I, mean, water balls I think my ringer's on. Rich, can you call my phone? You want me to call your phone? I can do that right now. Let me. Yeah, Rich uh... will call the phone. Yeah, I had something else to ask you, though. Oh, did you turn the air off? Because I'm sweating my balls off in here now. That's freezing? Hey, we're ringing. Let's focus here. All right, I'll suffer. My we're... phone's ringing. Let's go. See if you can hear it. Nothing. I don't hear wow. it. Wow. No, I have the ring. I definitely have the ringer on. Anyway, if you could find my, this is great radio. By the way. <laughs> it's if, fantastic, you, if, yeah. if anyway, if it's down there, just if you can grab it for me. If not, no big deal. I'll find it later. Maybe I left it in the car. It is so fucking hot in here. You have no idea. Um, She's I'm... like, <laughs> it is so hot. <laughs> You're my wife too. I, uh, yeah, it's the same thing. Oh, look at, what do you have? The, do you have this fan on the lowest possible speed? Look at this thing. It's got a gear up. I could push it faster than that. Look at This is producing no wind. This is like, I'm not, I don't want to mess with that because don't worry about my phone. Who cares? Like I talk to anyone anyway. I mean, I guess. I can live without it. Remember that? Remember like that four month period where I had no phone and I was just loving life. It's very liberating. It's very liberating. Oh, it was so good. Yeah. 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 See, I took. See, see, that's something I'd say. You're right about that. Right. I know. I'm addicted to the phone. There's no question. You you're getting in trouble here. Do you know why I'm going to tell you? Why? Millennial Joe here scrolling on his phone all day. Yeah. Do 
Do you know why I'm constantly on the phone when we're out at a nice dinner? I'm going to tell you why. Because people on Twitter are wrong and I have to tell them. And that's why. <laughs> right, these don't. And that's, and that's very important that they must know that they're wrong. This 12-year-old. This 12-year-old. Yeah, there's some 12-year-old on Twitter who's definitely wrong and I have to let him know Doesn't that understand wrong. wrestling history and I need to let him know. I know I did. So, look, it was great not having it. And um, uh, there's part of me that hopes that my phone is just lost. No. Um, but because I didn't hear it ring. He called it and it didn't ring. Maybe you can go call it and walk around the house and see if you hear I it ring. I checked your dang car because I checked the car for her water bottle for school and it's gone. She's cried already missing it. I know. She didn't have it this morning. I don't know what happened to it. I don't know. All right. Well, I got a show to do here. All right. All right. <laughs> the bricks. Yeah. It's a bricks toots. <laughs> the kid's water bottle. I don't care. I, all I cared about was my phone. The, the water bottle can wait. Um, yeah. She, I took the kid to school. She's like, oh, she's like getting out of the car. She's like, I don't have my water bottle. I'm like, well, I don't know. You got to get out of the car. She's like, but I'm going to be thirsty. I'm like, well, I don't know. Too bad. Just go. It's time to go to school. So I don't know what's going on with the water bottle either. You know, I'm Jeez. like, Buy a fucking chocolate milk or something. I don't know what to tell you. Um, Here's a Coke C. <laughs> Here's a Coke C. There you go. Yeah. Uh, um, I got an extra. Anyway, what were, what were we talking about here before Joe was handling his fucking <laughs> Joe planning his weekend? Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, Chicago. Uh, AW's coming back to Chicago. They're uh, Thanksgiving Eve. Uh, they're doing a Dynamite and Rampage on Wednesday, November 24th. Uh, from the Wintrust Arena, that's where Revolution was as well. So not the uh, the now arena that All Out was, not uh, the United Center, back to Wintrust Arena uh, in uh, in uh, actual downtown Chicago as well. Pretty close to. I'm pretty sure uh, uh, TK's dad lives uh, like blocks away from the arena, so he could literally walk to Thanksgiving dinner from this arena. So uh, good booking by, uh, by TK there. So. so I like planting the flag in Chicago for a number of reasons. Number one, the owner of the company is essentially from Chicago. Yes. Uh, for business purposes, he's from Chicago. Okay, uh, number two, Chicago has always been a great wrestling town, but also a great non WWE wrestling town. I mean, historically, going back to the 19th century, going back to uh, yeah, you fucking know, Hack and Schmidt at Comiskey Park, and yeah, it goes it goes uh, there way are many back. Legendary matches at Comiskey Park, you know. Uh, so you know, and and then right on through when it became an AWA town, and then Crockett ran Chicago and. Uh, Ring of Honor has always done great in Chicago. Yeah, the Dragon Gate Six Man took place there. Yeah, yeah one of the more iconic matches in, in, in American wrestling history. Yeah, always a great town for Ring of Honor. A a, a long and deep uh, indie wrestling history in Chicago, going back to Windy City Wrestling in the eighties. Uh, there, there's uh, there's uh, Lucha has always been uh, very uh, popular in Chicago. So. It's a great town for them for a million different reasons to plant their flag in. It's centralized. You can drive there from a bunch of other Midwestern cities. It's obviously has the largest airport in the United States, which is, you know, a hub for a bunch of major airlines. So it's an easy city to get to either, uh, you know, uh, on ground or through air. So there's just a billion different reasons why it's been very smart and very advantageous to plant their flag there and make Chicago uh, sort of their their home base in a lot of ways outside of Jacksonville. You know, um, you need a – Jacksonville's not a major city. Chicago is a major American city. Yeah. 
and it has all of those things that we've talked about. So, you know, you've got Jacksonville, which will always be there for them, but Chicago as their, as you know, their flagship, uh, you know, uh, major hub, the city that now they own that town now. I mean, that is an AEW town. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's because it, if you look at the rate, the, the uh, tickets for this Thanksgiving anything, I mean, they're already like pretty much done. They're, they're sold yeah. out immediately. It, it's and, nuts. And, and I'm someone who was like, oh, maybe they're burning it out. No. no. I mean, it, it's. <laughs> I could run here. Yeah, they should. They should take a little break here because uh, we're all, I'm kind of exhausted of going to these shows. But uh, no, I mean, it's they just proved November. They put tickets up. They're gone. You know, they're, you they're... know, the thing about burning out towns, though, is you have to have bad shows. Right, 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 right. You know, people forget about that. It's not just I mean, you know, Memphis sold out the Mid-South Coliseum every week, you know, and, and yeah, the Sportatorium ran... was pretty hot for uh, <laughs> a long amount of time until it got bad and then it wasn't hot. So, yeah, and territories, you know, went to the same towns over and over for for decades on end. You know, you don't kill towns unless you have bad shows, you know, and if they keep having great shows in Chicago, look at the shows that Chicago just got. Why would you not buy a ticket to the next one? You know, uh, you're not going to say, ah, well, you know, uh, ah, fuck it all out. You know, I, who, I don't want to watch this anymore. No, you're going to buy a ticket the next time they go on sale. You know, it, it's uh, you saw CM Punk debut there. You saw this great pay-per-view. So as long as the shows are good, you're not going to fucking. Um, you know, you're not yeah, going to kill a town. People got weird about that. People, I mean, we, we used to argue with people uh, in, in the old, 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 old days, even before the the flagship, like with Ring of Honor, when Ring of Honor would run these yeah. great shows. People say, oh, they're burning everybody out with these like long shows. And all the shows were fucking great. Yeah. <laughs> I would buy the tickets to the next show. And I did that for five straight years. Bought every single ticket to every show they went to front row because they were all good. They never burnt me out. They burnt me out when they had a seven-hour TV taping that stunk. And I never went back. You know what I mean? Like, that's, you know, that's what burns it out. They're not burning out the territory with a bunch of great shows. Nobody that went to All Out is thinking, ah, man, ugh, Rampage, Dynamite, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, if you went to the first dance and you went to All Out, like, yeah, you, you're, you're, you're good. You're, you know, you've, you've built up some equity there. Uh, with that fan base, but no, I, I mean, obviously, it's 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 my town, so I'm I'm a little biased here and saying, you know, I love that being the whole the, the hub. But you're absolutely right in all the stuff you said. I mean, the the cool thing about Chicago, in a lot of different ways, like you said, Milwaukee, easy driving distance, easy driving distance from Indianapolis, easy driving distance, you know, a little bit longer, but St. Louis, you know, you can, you can get up there from there. So both the, all three of those cities kind of you know get into there. Detroit, even if you really wanted to, it's a little bit of a hike, but you know, it's not bad. And yeah, like you said, a, a, a big hub, two major airports. Uh, including the biggest airport, I mean the biggest and the busiest airport, and you can go there, you, know, you can fly there pretty cheap a lot of times. Uh, 10,000 places to stay at. Even if you don't want to stay in the city, a huge sprawling suburb, uh, a, a, a huge sprawl of suburbs that you can stay at. I mean, just, yeah, it's, 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 it's just a perfect spot for it. And it's got, it, 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 it has the connection, like you said, not only with Tony and, and Shad and their business and, and, and that stuff and, you know, um, where they actually truly live, which Shad Khan obviously does live still in the city, but, but also you have the connection with All In as well, All In taking place in Chicago, Pro Wrestling Tees being based in Chicago. And it just makes all the sense in the world. There's just no reason not to kind of plant your flag there. And, and, and yeah, when you've done so well by that town and the town's done well by you, I mean, there's no point in not doing it. Plus, you got four or five different arenas that you can run. You know, and he's run, now he's run the United Center, he's won Rin Trust, he's run the Now Arena, uh, Allstate slash Rosemount Horizon. That's probably not going to happen uh, just because of their loyalty to WWF, but uh, who knows? Yeah, I don't know. But either way, you're good. You got a lot of, like, world-class, you know, buildings. You got a world-class city. Why not? Why not plant your flag there? It's perfect. Yeah, it just it just makes too much sense. 
So, uh, you know, WWF ran MSG every month for fucking two decades. I mean, for decades on end. So it's like, you know, I think it's a little overrated sometimes when we talk about, you know, burning certain cities out. I think, um, you know, if you keep giving them great shows and, and, and people leave them happy, um, you know, I think, I think, I think you can be okay. Uh, that's how pro wrestling worked for forever. So, um, yeah, what is that you said? Thanksgiving weekend? Yeah, for... Thanksgiving. So they, they've said that, uh, I think, in in past years. They did this a couple years ago with Thanksgiving as well. The day before Thanksgiving, they did a, yeah. a, a Dynamite taping. Or a live Dynamite. Uh, they did that from the Now Arena that time. But, yeah, this time they're doing Wintrust Arena. And they've said, I think that's going to be coming moving forward uh, or forever Tradition. moving forward. Yeah, because like I think I forget what the scrum was. It was a scrum that he did a couple years ago and said, yeah, my plan is to every Thanksgiving Eve. Uh, run in Chicago because, like I said, <laughs> then he's there. <laughs> you know, Thanksgiving dinner is right, all right, settled. Right. He's you know walking yeah. across in the wind trust, and, and he's there, and he's ready to go. So yeah, that that seems like a, a consistent thing. So um, yeah, it's cool. It's 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 a weird Thanksgiving Eve is always a tough day, uh, yeah. depending on what you're doing for the holidays and whatnot. But uh, I mean, yeah, it, it it should be a pretty fun tradition. So the old busiest travel day of the year. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which that's what they say. A big bar day so, as well. A big uh, drinking day now too. So yes. But, uh, yeah. Hopefully, well, people aren't combining those. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess. I guess if you're doing airline travel, you could you could make that work. But uh, yeah. Anyway, that uh, that is AEW's return to Chicago. I've gotten word that the dog can get his water again. So give me a moment because he's he's currently scratching me. So one moment, one moment, and uh, great. No food, but he can have the water. So here we go. All right. It's a some show. Eighty six no Mets, missing phone, right. missing water bottle. A dog that's uh, dying of dehydration. And a little bit of wrestling. Joe Lanza's stereotypical okay. outfit, which I'm still baffled by. Just running down all of the wonderful topics on this show this week. I'm, I'm so <laughs> stupid show. <laughs> the Joe Lanza stereotypical outfit is still getting me. I, I didn't know this was a thing. All right. I, I, well, I don't know. Maybe be more aware of it and see. I, I, I Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. It was cold. It was I cold. Know. I probably wore the same thing every day, too. So it's, it's I didn't cold. wear the same thing every day. <laughs> I didn't wear anything. About I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. It was, like, it was like three days, and I brought like five shirts. I didn't wear the same thing on any back-to-back day. Was I supposed to bring a different outer <laughs> jacket to no. wear every no, day? No, that's ridiculous. No, Who does that? You, I would never ask you to do that. Who does that? Okay? No one wears a different fucking outer jacket every day. Jeez, now I'm fired up. <laughs> I apologize for sensitive subject, sensitive subject here. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's conclude our show here with uh, a little bit of ROH. Speaking of uh, Chicago territory, there ROH for many years, uh, Chicago, great Chicago territory, and for many years, a great territory. Uh, these days, ROH is ROH. That's before Dishonor Joe. Uh, I did not watch the pre-show. 16-man honor rumble match won by Alex Zane. The return. Well, actually, I guess the date. Well, I don't know. Did he debut here? I forget if he's ever actually been in um, ROH before. But uh, Alex Zane wins uh, the honor rumble. Did you watch the honor rumble? I did. How was it? It was, it was a, a uh, it was a battle royal. Sixteen-man so, yeah. timed battle royal. <laughs> yeah, so thirty-two but minutes. Alex I'm seeing here. I'm not watching that. I'm not watching that ever. So yeah, yeah listen, Alex Zane obviously is someone they have plans for because he won the fucking thing. So um, you know, it was a lot of the underneath guys. Flip Gordon uh, was booked well. Um, you had all your ROH underneath guys like Joe Keys, who never seems to get pushed. Brian Johnson, guys like that. Dak Draper. Um, and then all the guys who are a little bit higher on the card, but just didn't have anything to do this on this particular pay-per-view. 
uh, PCO finishing up the string, um, you know, PJ Black, guys like that. Dan Housen, who always seems to be on the pre-show. So it was fine for what it was. You know, it was okay. Uh, then we got the main show here. Uh, started with Dalton Castle versus Eli Isom, which I thought was pretty decent. Uh, there was a time there where Dalton Castle looked like he was absolutely done. Uh, he's not, like, as good as he used to be, but he, he's moving around a lot better than he than he was the, the, that one-year period where he just, like, could not move whatsoever. Uh, Eli Isom, I, I've always been kind of impressed by him. I think he's pretty solid. But, I mean, this was just kind of a, a decent 10-minute opener. Nothing nothing huge that we have to write home about. Just a solid opener between two guys. Yeah, I have anything to add. Um, then we'll move on to a very strange match here. Taylor Rust, uh, the former Rust Tyler, Rust Taylor, now he's Taylor Rust, uh, defeated the returning Jake Atlas. So Jake Atlas making his return to the independent scene here uh, for Ring of Honor. And they had a six-minute match that was not very good. Uh, Jake Atlas looked like he got knocked out at a certain point. I don't know if they rushed to the finish. I don't know what happened. But when it was over, I said, woof, that was not very good. Neither guy looked very good. Jake Atlas didn't look like his heart was in it. Taylor Russ was a little weird. And then the match is over, and it's not very good. And then Jake Atlas says, eh, I'm done with wrestling. I retire. Yeah. Very strange. Yeah, but his heart was not in. I, injury aside, whatever the hell happened there, this looked like a man who was defeated before even. I didn't think it was I didn't think it was a very good match. I thought either. it was real bad. I was thinking, man, these are the guys that just came from, you know, the, the big place. The, these are the guys that just came from NXT. And I think and Russ Taylor's always been like, okay, you know what I mean? He's been fine. Uh uh Jake Ellis, I, I'm on record as saying I've never been super, super impressed by him. But this looked like a dude that just did not want to be there and and clearly does not want to be there as he announces his retirement from for wrestling. If that'll last, it's a wrestling retirement, who the hell knows? But uh um, He'll be back. He'll, he'll be, be back, back for sure. But yeah, he did he, not his heart was not in it on this night at all. I think so. he just needs to clear his head and it you know, he lost his job and um he admitted he had some mental health issues along the way. He probably just needs to clear his head. Um he's still in his twenties and um you know, uh, it's pro wrestling, so I just assume everyone's going to be back at some point. Yeah, 26-year-olds uh, don't usually retire from wrestling, so yeah. And look, if he finds something else to do, good for him. There's a lot of other things you could do other than fall on your head. So if that's the case, great. But, um, you know, history tells us that, you know, he'll he'll recharge his batteries and, and probably be back at some point. But we'll see. Uh, then we had a match that people are not talking about. That much. When I hear, like, what's the best match on this Death Before Dishonor show? What match did you really like? I fucking love this match. Violence Unlimited, Chris Dickinson, Homicide, and Tony Deppin versus John Walters, Lee Moriarty, and LSG. I thought this was tremendous. It was 11 minutes. They just got in there. Everybody just beat each other's ass. Quick tags, quick entrances, dives, punches, kicks. I, I thought this was really good. And then I was when I was done, I didn't read anybody else that really thought this match was very good. I don't know. Am I on an island all to myself? What do you think of this one? I didn't. I can't comment because I I didn't see a ton of this. This was head to head with the Ram game on Sunday night, so I was kind of in and out on some of these other uh, on some of these mid card matches. I, I didn't see enough of this to comment. So let me, it's let me you. see what the, the cage what the inmates at uh, cage match said because I, yeah. I I really I'm honestly go 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 one of these days if you get a chance to watch this match and see they gave it a six point eight six which would be. Close to seven, three and a half. Three yeah, it'd be half. technically the fourth best match on the show, which I think it was way better than that. I, I thought this was really, really good stuff here. You would appreciate it too. I think this is the best way to do a multi-man match where it never feels like there's one guy and like it felt like chaotic. Like there was always a guy in the ring. There was always a guy getting beaten down. There was always a guy, you know, trying to get to a tag. It just felt like it was just boom, 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 boom. Just really, really quick action between these guys. And everybody's really, I mean, all these guys are really good. John Walters was 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 cool as hell. Just putting in like you know he's going pure wrestling rules. Homicide gets in there and just chops the fuck out of him. Chris Dickinson comes in and he's Chris Dickinson. 
Tony Depp and flying all over the place. Yeah, I, I thought it was tremendous. Really, really. Uh, they beat a lot of the guys that are on their way out on this show. PCO was a non-factor in the Battle Royal. Lee Moriarty signed with AEW. And yeah, got the pin. I don't know if you side. saw this, but they they stacked him up and like pinned him. You know, Dickinson, Homicide, and Depp and all pinned Lee Moriarty at the same time, I think, just to kind of yeah. say, all right, hit the bricks, yeah. pal. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure they knew this was Atlas's only shot, so he lost. Um, uh, the uh, uh, Dragon Lee and, and and Bestia Del Ring lost later on, so they did a good job with the classic beating guys on the way out and beating guys who were on their way out, and you know, obviously they did that here as well. So uh, then we had the uh, the OG Kingdom here, Matt Taven and Michael Bennett versus the Briscoes, and they got the win. I was a little bit surprised by this. Yeah, because I thought the whole Briscoe story after the farm brawl was going to be that they were working their way back to the tag team titles for the right. Yeah, exactly. And and so far they've done pretty well. They've been beating these low end tag teams. Yeah, they've been yeah they've been winning all their matches. Yeah, right. And then now they just randomly (laughs) here lose to the OGK, which that was a little strange. Yeah, yeah, very strange. I thought for sure. Like I'm glad they didn't have betting lines for this. I would have bet on the Briscoes and lost. I thought for sure they would at minimum earn a tag team title match, and then who knows what happens in that match. But no, they just got cut off right here. So, yeah, it was a strange result. Uh, Josh Woods, Jonathan Gresham, pure title match here. Josh Woods defeats Jonathan Gresham. A little bit of a surprise here for a lot of people as well. Wins the pure title uh, from Gresham. Uh, what do you think of this match? I saw a lot of people that really, really liked it. I thought it was good, but I I don't, I don't know. I, these pure matches don't really hit on the same level for me that they do for some people. And I actually have an interesting take uh, on that as well. But uh, first off, what what would you think of this before I, I go into my thing? Well, they did the um, they did a double pin, and Gresham did the honorable babyface pure wrestling thing, and said, "I don't want to retain my title like that." So ring that fucking bell. I'm either winning or losing, and they continued it, and then Woods won. Now, people are saying that there was some messy pin where where someone didn't kick out. I didn't notice it, and I was watching with the sound down again because of the Rams game. So I can't speak on sort of that flubbed pin. Now, there's other people saying they did sort of the 2.9 raise your shoulder near fall, but there was just a bad camera angle on it. So a lot of people thought that it was a botched kick out, but it really, but it was just bad camera work. I don't know. All I know is I didn't notice it. So Removing that as a factor, because I didn't even know it happened, I thought the match was pretty good. I didn't think it was great, but there's a high floor on these Jonathan Gresham pure matches. Yeah. Um, you know, you're going to get solid wrestling and a good story. And the thing with Gresham is you're always going to get a different kind of finish. He very rarely repeats a finish. So I enjoyed it. Um, I'm told that if you follow the television, you kind of like this shouldn't have been a surprise. A lot of people expected Woods to win. I haven't been following the television, so it came off as a surprise to me. And um, no, I thought it was a, a a cool little match, and I like the idea of restarting it after the double pin. I mean, um, so yeah, I thought it was okay. Yes, yeah, so, so I, I I mean I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was pretty good work, and it's you know like the like you said, the floor of a Jonathan Gresham pure title is is is. is pretty damn good, you know, at its core. But one of the things that I was noticing, and I actually got this when I'm going through this uh, ser- for the series 
on doing uh, CM Punk Best in the World, patreon.com slash voices of wrestling, $5 tier, going back and watching old CM Punk matches. I- I'm remembering why I initially liked the pure rules back when it first got introduced. And I know you and I have had discussions about this, and, and you were kind of ho- uh, kind of so-so on the pure rules for a while there, right? Yeah, yeah. But the thing I liked about when they first introduced it, because one of the matches I was watching was AJ Styles versus CM Punk, and it was for the inaugural you know, pure title. And I'm remembering, oh, yeah, that's why I really liked the pure rules when it first came out is because instead of doing, hey, this guy is a pure wrestler. This guy is one of the guys from the pure wrestling division, because that's what they're kind of doing now with the pure title is is like these guys, when they're getting into the match or when they're getting into the company, I'm a pure rules wrestler. I do that. You know, I, I want to wrestle the pure rules. And, that, you know, it's they're kind of pigeonholing them into that. What was cool about the original pure rules, and I think the reason why I liked a lot of those matches, is it took guys out of their comfort zone. It was, hey, here's CM Punk, a normal wrestler. Now he's got to use these rules. Hey, here's AJ Styles, who we've seen for years. Okay, now he can only use few rope breaks. Now he can only do this. And little by little, they got away from like taking the actual wrestlers out of their comfort zone and making it that way to guys that were just, hey, I'm a pure rules wrestling guy. And I think I prefer the uncomfortable wrestler trying to figure out how to use the rules thing over like two guys that understand the rules and use them to perfection. You, you know, I, I don't know. That's just the way yeah, I've always felt yeah. about it. Yeah, sort of the guy out of his comfort zone. Yeah, because that was cool. That. It was like Punk, you know, went for a quick rope break, and the referee's like, you can't do that. And it's Punk being like, ah, shit, you're right. You know, he, he got an arm. He, there was like an arm ringer that AJ Styles had him in, and he grabbed the rope, and the referee's like, that's a rope break. And Punk, Punk's like, oh, fuck. Like, he's got yeah. that look on his face, like, god damn it, you're right. Like, and then Styles got caught. One. Yeah, yeah. And that was always kind of cool. Whereas now these guys are experts of the style, and I don't know. It's just kind of, it, you're starting to lose me a little bit. With that, it's just, yeah, it's just, to me, it's a little more boring when it's just like, hey, here's two experts of this style, you know, I don't know, it's just not something. Then there were guys who cheated in the pure matches later on, like, to to get heat, like, they, they, you know, so, yeah, they did different things with them um, in in the previous eras. I Yeah, I I hear what you're saying. But now it's just like guys that go in and grapple, you you know what I mean? And it's, it's, it's like, I like them, but there's, there's a shelf life to them, and I'm starting to get a little bit bored by the style, I think, so. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, there was people, a lot of people are like, oh, well, this is what makes Ring of Honor different. That should be the thing that Ring of Honor pushes. Like, uh, I don't think this company's going to be very good if, if you know, being, that's what they push. Being different being different's good, but you can't have a whole promotion. No. Yeah, yeah. In the current land. You, you just, you can't. Yeah, it would, it would not, not if you want to be a serious player, you can't. Right. I mean, you could do it on a niche level. Um, and there's people who would argue that a Ring of Honor is a niche level, but I wouldn't argue that. They're owned by a billion-dollar conglomerate. They give out six-figure contracts. They have a television show that's expected to draw sponsors. So I, I don't think you could have a whole promotion of that on uh, at the level that a Ring of Honor is operating on. Uh, ROH World Six-Man Tag Titles here. It was uh, Shane Taylor Promotions defending against uh, Dragon Lee, Kenny King, and La Bestia Del Ring. Uh, they did an angle here where Shane Taylor got dis- got beaten up by uh, Kenny King before the match. Uh, O'Shea Edwards fills in. Uh, Shane Taylor Promotions wins anyway. Shane Taylor comes in later, beats uh, Kenny King with the chair to help uh, Shane Taylor Promotions win. Uh, this, I don't know, what would you think of this match? I thought it was a little, uh, it was fine. There was parts that I liked, but it was a little clunky at times, too. Now the right side won. Um, oh! Daniel Jones, he's just overthrowing these deep balls. Um, I may or may not have a few dollars on this. <laughs> you might have a rooting interest in <laughs> For entertainment purposes only. Um, no, the right side won. The right team won. I think with Shane Taylor promotions, they're really behind this act as well. They should be. I don't know which ones, but some of a couple of these guys are going to emerge as players in this company. You could just feel it. Um, and one of them may not be Shane Taylor. 
I think it's going to be some of these. Uh, yeah, these he looks like he's getting passed up by these other guys. I think O'Shea Edwards yeah. is a guy to definitely keep your eye on. I think Khan is the other guy, or Khan, I think, is the other guy. Mo, I, I forget. I, I don't know the difference between Khan and Moses, and I feel bad about that. I know O'Shea Edwards. I know O'Shea Edwards, and he's going to be a dude. Um, I forget which one's Khan and which one's Moses, but um, I think Moses is the bigger one with the dreadlocks, I want to say. But, they, yeah, I, I forget exactly. But, yeah, th- there's, there's guys in there. O'Shea Edwards is definitely a guy. Uh, Shane Taylor feels like less of a guy by the days, but that's fine. This is all to get those other dudes over, and this is a good win for them. Uh, no doubt. All about they it. do is go out there and win. They yeah. push them properly. Yeah, it's they exactly how you're properly. supposed to do it. And, and again, the right win, and especially with Roosh leaving, uh, there's just no point in, in in giving Dragon League, Kenny King, and, and Labestia Del Ring the win here. So uh, good, good, good booking decision, and up and down the card, I think solid booking decisions throughout. Yeah, uh, and that's kind of Ring of Honor. It's, it can be boring at times. It can be painfully boring at times, but. Uh, they're, they're a solid, well-booked wrestling promotion. It's just, yeah, it's hard to get really energized about Ring of Honor. You bring the fans back, I'll watch it every week. I, I can't well, apparently they're doing the opposites. Back. Apparently they're not I, having any fans I know, for it's the rest frustrating. of the year. And I don't, I mean, I understand. I get it. I get it. I get it. But, like, it's just, from a personal standpoint, I'm just not going to pay attention to you guys. I'm sorry. It's just, I can't, yeah, I can't, I can't do, do it. it. I, can't. I can't. Not in this environment. I mean, New Japan Strong is going to have fans back. I mean, everyone's going to have fans back at this point. It's really hard to watch the fucking empty arena fucking warehouse wrestling yeah. now. You know, with, with these crowds that Dynamite has every week, it's just so hard to do it. You know, it's just like, I, it, it's hard. But um, uh, then know. we had the match that I think a lot of people are calling the best match of the night here. Roxy versus Miranda Alizé for the uh, a women's world title final. Roxy gets the win, becomes the new champion. What do you think of this one? I... I I think a lot of people are giving it a little bit more praise than I'm kind of comfortable with, but I thought it was very good. I, I think it's right up there with one of the best matches of the night. Uh, I'm just seeing a little, I'm reeling in a little bit. I think pump the brakes yeah, a little you know. bit on this one. Yeah, but, it's but the good curve. Stuff. It's yeah. the curve. The curve. You know, the curve. The curve is real. Um, it was it had good. Re- it was a good wrestling match. Yeah. Yeah, it was simple, well booked. Uh, Roxy being the little, you know, g- getting destroyed by Miranda Alize, you know, firing up. It's just yeah, classic like pro wrestling one one. So yeah, I have no real complaints about it. I thought it was really really good, but uh, yeah, it wasn't. I, it wasn't quite as good as some people were, were saying, but I, I still enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Is it getting wild reviews like that? I don't even know. Uh, in some circles, like the, the inmates on cage match seven point six eight, which would make it far it's and away the best outrageous. match. Yeah, it's not that outrageous. But this wasn't a great show. I mean, this was a show where a lot of stuff was like three and a half stars. Or yeah, three yeah, stars. yeah. The, on, on cage match, oh. nine people gave it a nine out of ten. I think that might be a, that's yeah, it's a little heavy handed. I've seen a, a, a few four and a half stars type stuff, and it's like eh, no maybe. shot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on. Pump no. those breaks a little. Good good little match. But, uh, nah, they got three and a quarter, three and a half star match. It was, right, it was which is well fine. Worked it was good and, stuff, yeah. Yeah, it was well worked and it was a solid match. And yeah, I think they really handled their tournament well. You know, there's a new face on top. Um, they didn't just go to the old faces or, or you know, and, and, and they went with a, a new fresh face who's also a pretty good worker. So from that perspective, they handled the tournament well. Uh, what do you think of the uh, the erasure of the Women of Honor World Championship? Are you, uh, you bothered I, by that show? I got to be completely honest. I, I don't even notice. Is, yeah. that, is that what they're doing? The well, they, they, like on this, they were like, oh, we're going to crown the first ever ROH Women's World Champion, which is not incorrect. They are. But, yeah, there was the uh, Women see, of Honor Championship. You know what I mean? See, so. again, I watched with the sound down. So I this is all new to me. I had no idea that they were rebranding the title yeah. so i i had no idea yeah i mean who cares, yeah, I mean, who cares? Whatever, well it right? doesn't help that kelly klein was the last champion so they might want to be uh right so they disassociating with uh with her and that title so wiping her from history this yeah. way i i don't know if it you know i'm sure that's 
a nice little side piece part of it, but it's also just cleaner to call this the ROH women's world yeah, title. I, I, right? agree. I don't really have that big of an issue with it. It's fine. It's wrestling. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, and then you had the world title four corner survival elimination match here. Bandito, Brody King, Demonic Flamita, and EC3. This um, was weird. I don't know. This is a very strange match. Uh, first off, you have EC3, who I don't know if we're changing the narrative here. Is fucking dreadful. I'm not booking him ever again for anything. He's not. He's not good. He um, I, does he not want it? Like, what is? What are we doing here? Is he just leaning think, into the uh, I'm bad thing? Like, I think physically he just can't do it, and you know he he he's he atrocious. Knows, he's so he has, bad. He's got you know cartilage on cartilage. He's got bone on bone knees with no cartilage. How is he so injured? <laughs> like, um, what did he do to get so injured? I don't understand. I think he's had shoulder issues too. So he's just trying to get by on well, look. Maybe, maybe take 150 and, pounds off your fucking frame then, dude. Well, maybe he figures if he's not this extreme body guy and his body's banged up, then what is he? I mean, maybe, you know, MJF t- took his gimmick and does it better. So, like, what then what's left? True, yeah. That might be the way that he sees it. Um, But I don't see the point. Why was he in the match if he was just going to slap on a side headlock and then get himself disqualified? <laughs> right, hit a guy with a chair and then leave, yeah. I mean, don't even just don't put him in a match. I mean, if that's the way you're going to book his elimination, you know, then just have the other three guys in the match. I I don't know. It's just, yeah, you're right, though. He's hard to watch. Um, There's just nothing there with him. And, um, you know, it's 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 a shame. I feel like he's a guy who had a real positive upward trajectory when the EC3 character was hot, you know. Uh, he was really carrying impact for a while there. And, you know, physically, it just, you know, his, his body, you know, and then he had the bad run in WWE where they didn't push him at all. You free, Where you basically forgot he was in the company when he went back after the impact run. And that just totally derailed, you know, his career from there. I mean, I used to go to indie shows and that he was on and he would sit in a chair and watch every match. I think he wants to be really good. And I just think, you know, and plus eight, you know, he can't, he's not young anymore either. He's got to be he's in his 38. Late 30s. He's 38. Yeah. I mean, this was a WWE developmental guy uh, over a decade ago. For before. Years. He was there so much longer than you think he was. Yeah. Before the impact run and then the long impact run and then two or three more years in WWE, then, you know, indie time. And now this run. And it's just, uh, I, 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 I think he just wants to be great and he just his his body's not cooperating. And I, I don't know. I just, it's not going to happen though for this guy. I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. And I, I'm just, I'm just not booking him anymore. I just don't think, yeah, it's, it's weird. And it sucks. Cause he's a great promo and the great look and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, it's, it's, and it's like with this character though, he isn't even really like, you know, I don't think this gimmick is suited for him. Like I know he's trying something different and I don't know. It's just, He's not a wrestler I'm interested in at all. No, yeah, he's it's he's really go like, he's go away heat now for me for sure. Every time I see him on the screen, and l- luckily he was out of here uh, in in a couple minutes. Then you had uh, Brody King eliminated Demonic Flamita. Uh, some good action there when, when it was when it was Bandito Brody King and Demonic Flamita it was pretty good because you had Br- Bandito and Flamita, you know, reviving their team and kind of beating up and double teaming Brody King and eventually Brody King did get the better of Demonic Flamita and then you had Bandito and Brody King and they had an okay like four minutes. And then Bane Energy just kind of rolled him up and got the one, two, three, and it was over. So 
I don't know. I, I thought it was a good match, but I, I was I was pretty disappointed by the end result. It just didn't. I don't know. It just didn't light my world on fire for a main event of a death before dishonor. So. No, yeah. I mean, the show was okay. I didn't hate the show, um, but there was nothing great on it either. And it wasn't. You know, I mean. It's ironic. They finally had fans, and I didn't listen to it no sound. I <laughs> right, right. So, you finally got the chance. No. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the crowd wasn't that hot either about it. So I, I don't know. It's it, they're, they're in a very, very weird spot right now, and I just don't know how they get out of it or navigate it. Well, and they're going to let some contracts expire, and they're going to press the reset button. This They're at the end of an era, okay? The Roosh and all of his Lucha Pals and PCO, all those big, splashy signings they made two years ago, and this era got badly disrupted by COVID. And now this era is coming to an end and all of those guys are going to be gone. Right. COVID and Party and, Marty having uh, some issues. Um, exactly. Party Marty, like all, you know, he's gone. Yeah. So come January, they're basically pressing the reset button. They're probably going to go out and attempt some more splashy free agent signings. And rebuild from there. I mean, I would have liked to have seen what Ring of Honor could have done without COVID with that big money roster and all the, the, the resources they put into it. It felt but, real hot, man. Go back to our uh, like February 2020 yeah. ROH discussions. We were like, oh, man, this year is going to be awesome. So, Yeah, and, and you know, they're one of the promotions that was hurt the most because they actually – they treated COVID probably better than anyone else in the world did. I mean, in terms of taking care of their people and whatnot, but the flip side of that is it really derailed the promotion because they didn't exist for, you know, eight, nine, 10 months or whatever it was. And now they haven't had, they barely had any fans since they returned and they're taking away fans again. And outside of CMLL, you know, they've probably been hurt the worst. They, you know, they've probably been hurt worse than New Japan. Um, so I, I would put Ring of Honor probably number two after CMLL uh, with promotions that are just, Oh geez. Yeah. See, I was going to say maybe the most, but I forget that CML has literally not run the show. <laughs> like, you know, they're running this weekend. Finally in arena Mexico again. So, um, and they ran empty arena Mexico a couple times. And, yeah. but you know, it's, it's, um, yeah. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, you know, they, 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 the worst thing that can happen is Sinclair decides we're done putting money into this run it at a bargain basement level and just keep giving us our cheap programming. Um, that would be bad for the wrestling scene. So hopefully Sinclair still lets Joe cop run this thing at, at a, at a, at a real money level, because I think that's, that's good for the scene. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Something like a ring of honor is, 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 is great for the processing scene. Something like the NWA yeah. is great for the processing scene. We need that. Yep. For sure. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully it remains and, and hopefully it stays. Yeah, it's just like I said, it, it's a tough promotion to get a handle on right now. It's just I, I don't know what their identity is and I don't know what there is to get excited about it. Uh, and that's kind of been an issue for Ring of Honor for a while. I mean, it, the pieces are there and the, the the resources are there. It's just yeah, it's it's been a very tough company to really get on board with at any point over the last couple of years. So do you think getting the pure title off Gresham means he's going to be pushed as a top guy? I think so. Yeah, at, at, when when that happened, I was like, wow, I'm surprised, but it's like, oh, okay, they they get it now. They're they're going to go with him as a guy. I hope. I, I mean, I hope that would be the direction for me. I think he's the most marketable guy that they have right now, or one of the most marketable guys they have right now. I think he's gotten his body in just an absolutely tremendous shape as well. So I, I think it's time to probably pull the trigger on that for sure. So. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm ready for that. I'm ready for some Gresham Bandito stuff. Or, or you know, they got the talents there. Bandito's there. Brody King's great. Gresham's good. Um, there, there's there's dudes there. It's just yeah, Dickinson. I I love Chris Dickinson. So there's there's stuff there, but it's just yeah, it's a matter of getting it all together and, and figuring out an identity as well. So. Yep. So. We were going to do some G1 stuff. We don't really have time to do that. Um, we're pretty much done, right? We have almost no time left. We have almost no time, no. But, uh, yeah, I, I, it feels very weird. We had some people in the chat room say, can you believe it's the G1 is happening in a couple days and we didn't even talk about it. We well, talked about it last the, week. Uh, we talked about it last week. We talked about it last week, and I'll be doing daily audio starting this weekend um, on the $5 tier. So same G1 coverage that you always got behind the paywall. Um Gonna give it a shot. You want to plug, give a little plugaroo to your post thing real quick, and then um, yeah, I've yeah, postwrestling.com. I, uh, I joined uh, Benno and Alan uh, Cunahan, Alan Forel, on a, a media roundtable on postwrestling.com about the G1. Uh, if you think I don't like New Japan for wrestling these days, oh boy, <laughs> Benno, I am the flag waving New Japan super fan. Uh, compared to those two guys, Benno and, and, and Alan, they are not happy with New Japan right now. So, uh, yeah, it's a written roundtable, just a little bit of thoughts and a few questions that uh, John Pollock gave us uh, to answer about the G1. So that's up there at postwrestling.com. As you said, patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling daily G1 audio. A lot of good stuff on VoicesOfWrestling.com uh, as well. We have Chris Sampson's stats. Uh, we have Jay Michael, who does a great job kind of breaking down the card placements and what that kind of tells us about the G1. Uh, so that stuff is all up there right now uh, at VoicesOfWrestling.com. And we'll have coverage as well. Uh, throughout the uh, the G1 uh, on the website as well. We just didn't get a chance in this uh, flagship to talk about it, but it is still the G1, and we're still going to give it uh, its due coverage. We're maybe not doing a pick em, and we're not maybe doing as much as we used to do, but uh, we, we are still going to cover the G1 like like better than any other website. I can promise you that. Yeah, so I wanted to talk about Rev Pro High Stakes at some point this week. Can I complain about something real quick before we end this? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We'll tell the overlords we're, we're going to go a little, a little long. So, so, of course not, so, of course, I'm looking for the card for this thing in one neat and tidy place. Oh, Joe. <laughs> silly me. So, you know. Like web, it's you want, like, a website that, like, tells you stuff? If the card is somewhere on their website, then it's hidden so well that because I couldn't find it on their website. I type in Rev Pro High Stakes 2021 card into Google. I get 10 results. None of them have the card. Uh, it's just ridiculous. And like every other indie promotion, you got to go to their fucking Twitter page and then try to piece the card together. Rich, I'm over this shit. Can we put the card somewhere where people can see them? You're trying to sell tickets. You're trying to sell a streaming service. It'd be nice to have the fucking card somewhere. When are these promotions going to get it? I don't understand. Are we the ones out to lunch? Does it really not matter? No, so I have seen. Initially, I would say we were, but I have seen a growing sentiment. But I'm going to take credit for us doing that, of people calling promotions out and saying, hey, where the hell is your card? I saw it with GCW a couple weeks ago. Uh, during during All Out Weekend, people were like, what the fuck? I want to go to your show. I can't find out what's on the goddamn show. I can't figure out who's in this match, who's in the what. Like, come on, let's go. Let's figure this stuff out. I have seen a growing uh, a growing uh, sentiment for that. So I think we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. So anyway, High Stakes is a big show, as you know. I'm with you. I can't uh, not. I'm on their website. I'm clicking everywhere. I can. No, you can't. No, I already went through this. You can't fucking <laughs> you can't find, find it. it. So, uh, you know, but if you flip through their tweets, yeah, you go through media, go through the media section of their tweets through a bunch of, you know, retweets. Here's some of the the card. I mean, I I don't know if this is the whole card, but Aussie opens defending, uh, both those, uh, Australian and British tag team championships does the, um, I forget the name of the Australian promotion PWA. That's where they beat the velocities in that, you know, 
damn near five star match. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ago. And uh, they're taking on uh, um, Michael Loku and Connor Mills. So uh, that'll be uh, title for title, the Australian, the PWA titles, and the and the Rev Pro Tag Team titles. Uh, then we have Shota Aminu versus Dan Maloney, which if Shota Aminu is getting his act together, that could be a really good match because Dan Maloney has been on fire. I mean, every time I watch the guy, he's in great shape. Yeah. Uh, oh, I hope I hope uh, Aminu's been uh, hitting the cardio because he's going to look real fat next to Dan Maloney, as most men would, because Dan Maloney's in incredible shape. But uh, this Maloney's could... a major league. Ta- it's a yeah. matter of time for him. I really believe that. I mean, his work has been excellent too. So. Uh, Shota Aminu, looking forward to that. One thing about Aminu is he has, you know, according to a lot of the people who go to the shows, he's still over with the fans, which is good, even though his work has been struggling and he was pulled from resurgence and everything because of his uh, conditioning and everything. But uh, we'll see how he looks against Maloney. They're doing a four-way tag, the young guns who have a ton of potential. They just need to find their charisma against Doug Williams and Brendan White. Uh, Sunshine Machine, which is TK Cooper, and uh, and uh, Chuck Mambo, and then Team T E A M. <laughs> are you familiar with Team? I don't know if I'm familiar with them. I'm looking at them right now. I I, I actually can't even point out who these people are. Well, it's Kenneth Halfpenny. Oh, starters. is that okay? All right. And uh, I can't remember his partner's name. Let me pull it up real quick. He's another one of the. Um... Oh shit! I forgot. Uh, Sean Jackson is the other member of Team. So uh, you know, two of the. Uh... They don't call them young lions. I forget what they call them in Rev Pro, but you know, same concept. So, a dopey four-way tag. I'd prefer two tag team matches myself. I don't know about you, but a four-way tag there. Then we've got a uh, Yota Suji versus Mark Haskins. Oh man, that sounds awesome! Did you know that Suji turned down Lord Gideon Gregg? Oh, that's a bad idea. Bad decision. He could have been a member of Legion, right? I would not and do that. He turned him down. He told him to go fuck himself, I think, and he got a big pop or he cursed at him or something like that. But uh, not only did he blow an opportunity to be part of Legion, now he's got that target on his back from Legion. That's the last thing you want. So uh, Yota Suji versus Mark Haskins. So yeah, our boy, then, uh, we love Gideon Gray on Twitter. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this. So, so Rev Pro tweets out the, 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 the graphic of Yota Suji versus Mark Haskins. Uh, somebody replies, his name is Dave, and says, Great match. I actually did think it would be a match but with the stipulation that if Yota loses, he has to join the Legion. And our boy, Lord Gideon Gray, says, Forcing people to do something they don't want to do isn't cool, Dave. Suji, parentheses, baby, will see the lights and join the Legion because it's the right place for him. Ah. See, so... And he did the thing where, like we do, where you're an asshole, so you, you, you type out the guy's username. So yeah. he says, Forcing people to do something they don't want to do isn't cool, Dave Sewell04. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. that's it's our just, gimmick giddy all right yeah lay off yeah. that you know you type out the dopey username to, <laughs> right to, to shame the guy right that's Gideon um, stick it to me. I, hey you know what he's he's learning from the best like 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 he teaches people he's learning from us as well so that, that's that's good but uh yeah uh oku's wrestling twice i guess because there's a three-way match for the uh british cruiserweight championship but robbie x and chris ridgeway so let me double check that he's in that tag team title for title match, right? I didn't screw that up. No, I didn't. He's no, that's him. Yeah, that's him. <laughs> that's and him. so I guess he's doing double duty. Um, I haven't watched the last couple rev shows and I think there's one today as a matter of fact. Um, so I'll have to see what's, uh, 
what the deal is there. And of course, RKJ versus Will Ospreay. So I think that there's oh, a course. women's. Yeah, right, right. I think there's a women's match, a women's title yeah, match. I think it's, but... Isn't it Hyon versus Giselle Shaw? Is that correct? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to know. <laughs> because they're not giving me a card, fuck them. I, I'm not – I tried. Yeah. I tried. Rich, it's frustrating. You know? But um, Osprey versus RKJ, which is obviously going to be great. Uh, uh, it is indeed we'll two out of three falls, high on versus Giselle Shaw. So. Where'd you find that? On their uh, Twitter Scrolling page? very far down their Jesus Twitter page. Jesus fucking yes. Christ. <laughs> right. Because if you keep going on their Twitter page, you run into the show that's happening today. Yes, yeah, yeah. I show. did get that. I went past that, and that's when I found out Giselle Shaw versus uh, Hyun, So The pop-up show has some interesting stuff. So they they split up the tag team title for title thing into singles matches. They did the New Japan gimmick. So it's Mark Davis versus Oku and Fletcher versus Connor Mills. And then uh, they have RKJ teaming with Sunshine Machine against Osprey and the Young Guns in a six-man tag. So that's an interesting show to kind of warm you up for uh, for the show at your call. So I'm curious how the tickets do. I don't know what kind of – I hope J.J. Gale and Callum Newman are on high stakes in some capacity. Yeah, those guys are great. They need to find some way to get them in there. I, and they might be for all I know, but there's no fucking card anywhere. But we already named seven matches, so there can't be much more on the show. But um, we'll see how it draws in your call. I don't know what kind of COVID restrictions there are. I know OTT, they announced Ospreay for a show, and that show sold out in like 10 minutes at high ticket prices. And then OT, the other show that they announced in the same building with lower ticket prices still has tickets remaining. So you can see the Will Ospreay effect and why all these European promotions are going to try to book them because uh, there's a perfect head-to-head comp. Same building, same promotion. One show has Ospreay, the other doesn't. The Osprey show has a much higher ticket prices. That one sold out instantly. Yeah. And the other show still hasn't sold. And it's a tiny room with COVID restrictions. So it's only like 200 tickets or something. And they still haven't sold out the non-Osprey show. So we'll see how um, the return to York Hall goes for RevPro with this high stake show, which I think is a really good lineup. So yeah, it sounds good. Yeah, it's a, it's a good time to maybe get back into rep pro for, for myself as well because I, I've kind of fallen off watching the, the weekly show or, or the monthly show, I should say. But uh, yeah. well, yeah, they um they I, I I'm I'm a few shows behind, but everything since they restarted with fans has been good. I mean, it's it's typical rep pro, well booked. The stuff you think is going to be good is good, you know, and they're putting an effort into making new guys. Yeah. that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Which you I'll know? always I'll always appreciate a company that does that. So. And they have to with, with you know, speaking out and, and everything motions, else. Motions to wrestling scene, yeah. Yeah, and, 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 and that all started. With the smoldering mass that was that scene, so yeah. Yeah, and they started that with their empty building, those empty room shows that we were reviewing every time. Um, yeah, RKJ is a fucking star now. Yeah, he's main event in high stakes after, you know, being a, a, a young boy or whatever, like you're saying. He came in that first show as his just first a dude. Push, yeah, yeah. his push dude. started there, really. Right, I mean, yeah. They used them before that, but his his push started there. And now Newman and Gale, they're bringing along, and the Young Guns. Hopefully, they can get them, you know, out of the progress WWE, you know, circle and 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 into here. And they they brought TK Cooper back, which I think is a great move. And Maloney's a guy I think that they should try to get away because he still works progress shows too. You know what I mean? It's like um, that makes me uncomfortable because I don't want any of these guys to go to WWE. Um, you know, and they got Aussie open in now. So yeah, it's, it's, and, and, and of course they have, you know, new Japan sends them guys for excursions. So you got Yota Suji and Shota Aminu. So, um, yeah, you know, you know, Rev, 
Rev's back, and this is their their first big show with fans, and uh, and I'm looking forward to it. There you go. So that's Rev Pro High Stakes uh, this weekend. So yeah, as we said, a lot of good stuff coming up this weekend. A lot of good wrestling. G1 gets started. Voicesofwrestling.com for daily, uh, or, or Voicesofwrestling.com slash Patreon, I should say, for daily uh, G1 audio. Uh, also on the Voice of Wrestling Patreon, some new stuff coming up as well. The Yes Movement, Daniel Bryan, a multi-part audio documentary I'm, I'm hopefully going to launch uh, this weekend. Uh, CM Punk Best in the World, one episode is out. I have another one ready to go uh, the next few days as well. So a lot of good stuff going on at patreon.com uh, slash Voices of Wrestling. Deep dives potentially uh, in the coming weeks uh, as well. So plenty of stuff on there for you to enjoy. Uh, plenty of stuff at voiceofwrestling.com. Great discussion at voiceofwrestling.com slash Discord. And of course, our sponsor, MyBookie, mybookie.ag. Promo code VOICES. Double your first deposit. Uh, and that is it for us. So for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Krejci. We'll see you next time on the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast. Take care.